Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2018 year-end Avocado Gamescast extravaganza. It's been an interesting year in the world of gaming, and we're going to talk about as much of it as we can. The highs, the lows, and the in-betweens. My name's Merv, and joining me, he's just a city boy, born and raised in South Detroit. It's Science is Bad. I'm actually the... Uh, the... Uh, become Detroit in uh, in Detroit become human. I'm it's me. I did the, the human. Main You're the human. I'm the, I'm, okay. I'm the become human. Yes. Um, and also joining us, he ain't no hollaback girl. He ain't no hollaback girl. It's a talk no mic. Howdy, howdy, y'all. And I finally, don't know any he's other easy come, songs. easy go, little high, little low. It's the Kappa. Hey, what's up, guys? So how are you folks doing? Good, man. Good, Good wow. yeah. We're going to talk about up after some snow. And... Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, there's it's snow where Christmas you are. It's, yeah. it's holiday season. And when I... this podcast comes out, it's probably after New Year's, maybe. Something uh, like that. Don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get it up early. Who knows when it'll come out. After New Year's can be March. So... It might yeah. be Valentine's Day. It might yeah. be April you 4th. Get it when you get it. it, it what's, what's the old saying? It'll be out when it's done. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll get it out before Valentine's Day. Yeah, um, I, I so you can it. listen to I, I it with your it. with your lover. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a romantic experience after all. It is. Um, so we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, here's the game plan. First, the four of us are going to discuss some of the most significant events in the games industry this year. Then we're going to throw it on over to the avocado community to talk about their favorite games of the year, and then. Through the magic of editing, we're going to return and discuss the best, worst, and most surprising games of 2018. Uh, so you guys ready to dive in? Yep. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So let's top in our time machine and go back to March um, when it news broke that Vivendi finally gave up trying to acquire Ubisoft. And they've been trying to do this for, for several years, right? They're, they've been trying to yeah. buy out Ubisoft. Well, Vivendi seems to always have an interest in gaming space, you know, like, cause they were a big part of Blizzard way back in the day, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I feel like they've, it's like a market they always want to play in, but when they get into it, they kind of realize that, I don't know, I, I'm not enough of a business guy to tell you about whether it's a margin thing or, or whatever thing, but seems like this is the third or fourth time they've threatened to buy out Ubisoft, right? Like, this isn't... Their, this is probably their most recent, but this has happened before with them, right? I can't remember. E- either yeah. way. Yeah. No, they, they tried many, many times. They, uh, they've tried a hostile takeover mm-hmm. a lot, and then Ubisoft sought outside financing to, to fend off the acquisition, and they've been doing this for years, because I don't think Yves Guimau wants to, to give up Ubisoft. No, yeah, I, and... I don't think you should. I think they're making some really good transitions. Um, you know, whenever we talk about games that have kind of had a resurgence, I mean, it's a lot of their games that we are going to talk about. You know what I mean? Like they, they've been hitting the mark, I think, lately. Um, and and yeah, I, I want them to still exist. And I, I feel like as soon as you get bought out, it all becomes about one thing, and that's the money, you know? Um and the money right now is in microtransactions. It's in games as services. It's in apps and, you know, all the other stuff. So better, more slightly independent companies, the better, I think. Yeah. So I, uh, I pulled up um, Vivendi's Wikipedia page just to see what they do all own. And it looks like, yeah, they own uh, 
a lot of mobile gaming companies and a lot of those microtransaction companies. Yep. And it looks like in October 2015, they bought minority ownership in Ubisoft. And by 20, June 2016, we're trying a hostile takeover. So, yeah, they've been at this two and a half years now of trying to get majority ownership in Ubisoft. And it's frustrating for everybody, I'm sure, you know, when you're like developers or when you're people working there to have to, um, you know, worry about your jobs and worry about st stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's good to hear that. Hopefully they finally really gave up for, for good this time. Yeah, it's they they I don't think that Ubisoft really was looking to be bought out. And I don't think the the whole Actabla's merger with a, with Vivendi was ever uh a partnership that Activision really liked. Um I get the sense that they're kind of a very predatory company, just looking at their their history of acquisitions. Um, oh, yeah. Like I said, they're there to make money. I mean, you know, and you guys know my stance on it. It's an industry. You still have to make money. You can't just say, oh, whatever, you know, we'll just let the game speak for themselves anymore. Not when you're making, you know, $150 million games or whatever. You, you got to you gotta have some kind of business sense or you end up with a lot of stuff like, uh, uh, you know, Molly No. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, I'll just make a game forever and never release it or release it and it's all broken or whatever so uh, yeah, that's like I, the star I, citizen model you yeah can still exactly. get people to pay you yeah, they, they made the most they've made since the the kickstarter this year people are still buying into that it, it's crazy <laughs> to me like <laughs> you know there's a lot of space games out there that you don't have to pay twelve hundred dollars to to fly a ship in you know it, it's just bizarre to me that that makes as much money as it does well, i mean the one thing with ubisoft is they're such a didactic company when they try to make really big games they tend to fall on their face more often than not when they go really indie micro you get stuff like child of light which is actually a, a really good game for the most part so in a yeah, way it, almost a takeover not necessarily a hostile takeover but you know a shake up there to refocus on their indie core would actually maybe help ubisoft almost yeah and and i think they can tend to fall into a rut with their games remember how like the joke was like is the game's gonna have a tower to climb and you know like it, it like all the games started to feel samey yo they and put I think, fucking towers in the crew yeah and then <laughs> and then i think i think just in the past few years we've been seeing a real breakaway by them in terms of what assassin's creed has become what um uh, what Far Cry has become, you know, I think we're starting to see some distinguishment in the products. Rainbow Six Siege is still out there doing well. Um, For Honor, pe people are loving For Honor all of a sudden. Like all my friends are playing For Honor. Yeah, um, all those so, towers in 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 For Honor that you got. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I mean, I, I think there's, I, I think they're making that turn, and it's good to hear that they're doing it while not being a part of somebody else who's going to be looking to make a ton of money. Now, you know? don't get my hopes up for the new Heroes of Might of Magic, because the last two Ubisoft editions <laughs> oh, have been um, terrible. Well, yeah. the last no, one was a terrible. No, the previous no, ones were. I don't think they can do it justice. Like, from, like 3DO was the only uh, yeah. company. A lot that. of that's nostalgia, too, though. I went back and played 3, and let me tell you. No, it's still good. <laughs> I, I played Heroes 3 just two years yeah. ago, and it's still it, a yeah, great game. It's all right. There's a lot of weird it mechanics. It has issues, but it's yeah. still good. It's, it's, it's kind of boring. It's kind of boring. It, it, but that's what I would say. Like, there's a lot of turns where you're just sitting there clicking yeah. next turn, waiting for yeah. you know the hydras to be born or whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. civilization does the same thing, where you just yeah. got to grind through some of those gr turns. Uh, yeah, civilization also has some has some problems. I'm gonna say, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, Ubisoft is is definitely 
getting a little bit like more creative with with its uh, formulas for games and not just like copy paste copy paste yeah and then from ubisoft we go to valve right the other yeah. big big news from valve was them buying Campo, Campo Santa. Santa yeah yeah so Campo Santa uh, were the folks that made uh, the fairly well received Firewatch and they're working yeah. on another game right now called In the Valley of the Gods mm-hmm. they were you know a pretty fiercely independent developer and it's really weird to see them just get bought out by Valve um, although apparently they were they welcomed the, the cash injection yeah and, and... sure but um, just I don't Valve is not really making games lately, <laughs> especially well, not like. Fact, and uh, I don't know if just... I've seen a more negative reaction to a game, at least from the people who I've seen play it in a, in a while. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where that game goes in a couple of years if Valve can kind of make it come around to what they want it to be. But yeah, so um, it hasn't. the The reception hasn't been so so bad. It's just when it was first announced. Yeah. People really were not happy about Artifact. Uh, but since then, people are like, yeah, it's, it's a decent enough game, but it doesn't have the player base, I think, for, for long-term sustainability. Well, I, I know a couple of people who try to get into it. Some like hardcore hearthstone type friends of mine who, um, who are into it. And, I, and one of the main things they say is like, you have to buy the packs. You have to keep buying the, the whatchamacallit packs. Um, to keep it going, yeah, the boosters and, and no, the uh, what you call it packs. I think they call it. It's very oh, right. <laughs> it's very much like Magic, which makes sense. It was made by the guy who designed Magic: The Gathering. So, oh, yeah. a lot of what I've been hearing is it, it, it's very hard unless you want to play in like what are, what are they called the tournaments, like random draw tournaments kind of things, where you just get whatever cards. But if you're looking to really get into the deck building part of it and competitive scene, there's a lot of money to be spent in it um and it's a confusing confusing game you can win two out of three of the lanes they call it and then lose the game you can there's a lot more going on than just um you know having the best deck and playing it smartly there's a lot of luck and stuff that that people i know who are into card games just are kind of rejecting the game from um but it'll be it'll be because you know i think a lot of the valve games that they put out they've kind of weirdly just put out there and they just sat there you know what I mean? Like, Valve is not you don't really... see a lot of like, you know, weekly, monthly stuff being updated in stuff outside of Dota Two, um, and even that kind of has or Team Fortress Two hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but, that's what I, but people are still playing that... TF Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all, all that being said, Overwatch by now or Fortnite. But but all that being said, these are all like multiplayer games, multiplayer right. focus games. It's not it's totally different than like like wait makers of like Campo Santo is like making these very uh personal single player stories that that like totally do- don't fit what Valve is going for maybe they want to just kind of expand and go back to uh you know designing single player games but i they're making well, so much money i, I don't see how yeah, uh, yeah. You know. and, and famously the thing at Valve too has always been you work on what you want to work on right I mean, isn't that like their whole business model? Yeah. But I, so, I bet uh, there are a lot of people at Valve that sure wanted to make like single player games and 
and we're stuck making skins for those. Yeah, maybe that's what it's for. But I mean, I think long term, it's going to be interesting to see what Campo Santo is, is putting out after Valley of the Gods. Because Valley of the Gods was announced a long time before their acquisition. But uh, if they start working on some kind of weird, you know, MOBA hybrid, I'm going to know who went out in that argument. You know, mm. but if they keep it, you know, kind of charming indie type things. Yeah. My mm. one call with Valve and Campo Santo related to Artifact is Artifact showed Valve has no idea how to actually announce a release. That was oh, just yeah. a bundled <laughs> announcement of PR mess. And yeah. I mean, the game itself might be fine, but part of its user problem could be just the fact that they don't know how to get the word out right and sell it right, which doesn't sound good if you're a, a collectible well, card game or if you're a single but, player game if you can't get the word yeah. out. But I don't remember like Hearthstone having like a huge release. It just kind it, it of had like, a negative re- release at first, and then yeah. people started to really love it. You know, yeah. here here's the thing. I'd say if we're kind of looking at one defining story of the year, I think it's the year a lot of devs burned a lot of or the the last amount of their goodwill with people. You know what I mean? Like I, I think we'll we'll kind of get in some of those stories as we go. But um, I think I think Valve, at least for me, it's it's. The most disappointed I've been with Valve in a while has been these past couple of years. And you guys know I've been growing really, really kind of jaded with Steam as as a development, not, not just a development platform, but as a distribution platform. And I think everybody else is starting to, too. I think that's why you're seeing Epic Games Launcher. I think that's why you're seeing, um, you know, a lot of these other... Yeah, Discord services. has a store now as well. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's not going to happen. Like... Yeah, I'm glad that there's some competition, but Valve is like just a monolith. Like, there's no way there's. I mean, I, anyone. I think you. I think you can say that now. But if Blizzard games aren't going there, EA games aren't going there, Ubisoft games aren't going there, Epic games aren't going there, but Nintendo I, games aren't going there. Yeah, but Xbox, but I really yeah. thought, thought that like EA really wanted to go there, and then saw that things weren't going well with their shop. So they were like, nah, okay, we're just going to host our own games here and not sell every uh, other game for, like, because we don't want to compete with Steam. That's, that's, we tried for a while and then it didn't pan out. So no, I think good old games, I think it's the only, like, thing that I hear people are buying games except for Steam. I, uh, I, I, I mean, I use Origin, you play, they're fine. They're fine enough. I, I've, yeah, I've... they're fine, but like, the, the, they don't seem to chase. Uh, they chased for a while. They have the same clientele, but then they were like, "No." Well, they don't. I mean, to... EA just straight up doesn't sell their games on Steam anymore. You know? And yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I that mean, was their big move. Like they they want they started with that. Like said, but like, as more yeah. and more companies do that, what I'm saying is like it, it might be out of Valve's hands. You know? Yeah, like, but it, I don't want like ten thousand platforms for my. Oh, that, that ship sailed. It's here already. I mean, honestly, yeah. It, it, I guess Uplay is kind of integrated with Steam on some level, and mm-hmm. and I just don't buy EA games anymore because, like, mostly because I just don't want to screw with their platform. Like they but, they just kind of like made me honestly, not. Honestly, Origin is like a stabler piece of software it's, than it's Steam. better yeah yeah um, it is it is i'm not criticizing the platform it's it's pretty good but like you have so much um people that are already invested in steam like what they're what are they going to do with the, these games on their accounts like i have I mean, almost uh, 600 games the account's on- not going anywhere the, the games are still there and i mean i would put my steam library up against probably everybody else's in the world I, I own a lot of games on steam but that i don't feel the loyalty to valve that i did 
five, ten years ago. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is I think people are saying that with Blizzard. People are saying that with lots and lots of companies these days that it used to be no one's ever going to say that about this company. And I think we're starting to see a lot of people just like, nah, I, I don't have a loyalty to this company. If they're not going to keep me satisfied, I, I'll go buy other <laughs> I th- games. I think lo- keeping loyalty to any company ever is a bad idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's been a little bit strange because as I've gotten more into console gaming, I've kind of left Steam behind largely. Um, so I yeah. can't tell if it's because I've I've moved more towards console gaming because I was getting into console gaming anyway, or if it was because my frustrations with Steam kind of pushed me to play my PlayStation and my Switch more often. And it's interesting to hear you say that too, because I know you're such a fan of indie stuff, you know, and I feel like if you were an indie gamer right now, it would be so easy to move past Steam because of what what good Mm -hmm. old games is doing, what Humble is doing, what... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many other outlets right now for for indie games, and even like EA's you know, publishing cool indie games you play is like they're indie games right now. If you're an indie gamer, this is your golden age. I mean, it's, it's It's everywhere. Let me put it this way. There were consoles. Yeah. There were indie games that I could have bought on steam this year that I just chose to buy for switch instead. Yeah. Yeah, That's it. I mean, like I can't play steam in bed. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I, I guess you could, if you just like, Steam Link and uh yeah, Android. like how dedicated your yeah. setup is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but yeah, I, I I guess that's just my thing. Like I I don't want to be super negative on them. I just hope that they start to look at the writing on the wall and and really revamp the customer experience for one. I mean that's okay, what I'm most concerned what, about. What, yeah, but what does frustrate you about Steam the most? Well, like... number one, the re- the return policy. I'm 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 hooked on the way EA does it, which is you either like the game or we take it back. Uh, it, it, there's no 24 hours. There's no, you can't play the game for this long. Uh, you have, you can't have, cause like a lot of times some of those games, if you redeem the weird, like pre-order things, you can't return the game. The, the, the automated nature of that return system to me is really frustrating. Um, the, the other thing I've been having problems with steam lately is they've been trying to do all this crazy thing with the chat program and stuff. I don't want all that in a chat program. I just want to send a message to my friends 95% of the time. I don't need to see what they've been playing, what, how many hours, their achievements and stuff. It, it almost feels like they're trying to like Facebook, become Facebook for gaming in a weird way. And I, I feel like it's getting kind of intrusive in, see, in a way. I actually like those features. The problem is that I think about collusion. 10% of the time they don't work properly. So you end up with, would say, not being able to see some of your friends when they're logged in or, or um, sometimes you're – your photos that you've uploaded won't load properly. Sometimes the videos won't load properly. It's just not a stable enough client. Yeah, a that's 100% true. Even when I use it to join friends in, in a game, I feel like I should be able to do that through Steam. And a lot of times I'll join and it'll say we're in a party, but then we're not actually in the same game or we're like, you know, the game won't load up. It's There's a lot of weird stuff that I, I, I feel like. Yeah, I agree that the client is way outdated. It's, and, and, it's and that's antiquated. what I'm saying. I, yeah. I think if they start to feel a little more pressure and people saying, fine, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go to this client, you know, but people are so adamantly against some of the other clients for, I don't think a lot of good reasons other than, yeah, I don't, I, I totally get that. I don't want a ton of programs that, that part I get. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if steam starts to feel that pressure, then they start making those upgrades that have been due for they, a long time. They did try um, something I'm new with not... the big picture mode. 
yeah. like, for a yeah. while. I'm just not but confident that, yeah. that Steam is actually going to feel that pressure. I mean, I don't window shop on Steam anymore. Like, I Me don't either. make impulse purchases on Steam. I, I'll make, I'll buy stuff on Steam, but stuff that I've known that I've wanted for a while. Yeah. Um, so they've lost I mean, it's, that it's, part it's of their business, but beyond that... It's going to make a lot of people mad, I guess, but I'm more into, like, I don't know, like, the gray market of, like, green man gaming and stuff like that, where I buy a game, and then wherever the key comes from, that's where the key comes from. But if I got a good deal, I'm good with it. You know what I mean? If I get, if I buy Assassin's Creed Odyssey for 20% off at release, and I, it's the Uplay key, I'm fine with it, you know? Yeah, uh, but that, I don't know, green man gaming is just such a weird, sketchy site. I don't like it. it. It Green is, Man. but I mean, it's twenty percent off. You know, it's hard for me to argue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did buy like weird keys online uh, years ago, but then I was like, nah. That's... It, I only about... buy through Green Man if it says that the key came from the publisher. Yeah, and um, a lot of them do now. They yeah. they've started to hear that feedback, so they've started to post on there right now. It just says like, this is a publisher key. You'll get it out. But I think the other thing you're seeing is that's where good old games came from in cd project red that they were a gray market vendor for forever in whatever country they're from i can't remember now but poland poland yeah i mean no, so i don't think i don't think it's poland i think it's austria but they used to just basically <laughs> sell like burn cds and game you know versions from games and stuff like that but i i guess regardless i think my my, my main point here is that at some point um you know, Steam hopefully makes the changes it needs to be to really deserve the industry leader spot that they have and, and not feel like, you know, we're too big to fail or we're a monopoly or, you know, everybody's going to use this just because they like us. Because I think that'd be a, a lesson in hubris that lots and lots of companies can tell you, you know, like here, here's one example. How long has Steam been trying to push Linux, Linux, I don't even, on, on PC gaming? It's never really taken off, right? Oh, they've, they've just, more or less given up. Yeah. And you started to see that with the Steam OS and the Steam machines and stuff like that. And it was like one more Hail Mary. It, it just it's it's wasted money. Their own survey data says that 97 percent of people play on Windows OS, you know, 97 yeah. yeah. percent that. Why would you try to create all this for a three percent of people that, you know, it, it's just weird to me. But it's it's like you kind of get that vendetta going and you're you're convinced that you you're going to be the one who finally kills off microsoft and i don't even know if people it wasn't so much that. about killing off microsoft as it was kind of an overreaction to to uwp right and the idea that uwp would would replace executables um which but microsoft never yeah <laughs> really not shown interest in doing absolutely yeah microsoft's they, own store is a mess i mean i think you know oh god yeah if we want to talk about me- a messy platform microsoft yeah. store is just like oh, a horrid no, wasteland fire. yeah but like garbage. to the point of of why this happened it was microsoft is not going to get rid of exe support because it's so crucial for enterprise applications oh, yeah. which is where microsoft is like windows is is most widely used that if they were to get rid of executable support, then they would lose all their corporate clientele. They would yeah. slash their revenue by like 80%. You know, it's, it's almost a, the definition of like an unfounded fear or like something that just, you know, but you would expect a company like valve not to react to that and be like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Instead they I, went all in. I don't and- think they had the fear. I, I think they wanted to like capitalize on the fear of people that were like, yeah, yeah maybe exactly. that's a good point. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, from Valve to Cliffy B, huh? <laughs> yeah. So you're mentioning people who had uh, squandered their goodwill. 
Yeah. And uh, oh boy, yeah. Yeah, Cliffy B's new studio, Bosky Productions, shut down this year in May. So last year, I believe they had they released this uh, multiplayer shooter called Lawbreakers. Uh, oh boy! And it was and two people played it. So here's <laughs> and a, here's one the of thing. them was Cliffy B. <laughs> it was well received. It got good reviews. Yeah. But nobody was interested in playing it. Yeah. And it flopped. So they came out with a second game this year, Early Access, called Radical Heights. It was a Battle Royale game with like some 80s neon pastiche theme. I'm not really sure what was going uh, on the there. Definition um, of a force this out the door for a money grab type game. Yeah, I mean, I think it was because they needed the, the cash injection and they just didn't yeah. get it. They were really um, desperate. No, to, to give an illustration of just how desperate they were, when they released it, um, they had a placeholder. They were supposed to have launched with both male and female characters. When they launched it, there's a placeholder saying female character models coming soon, mm-hmm. um, which tells you how early and early access they were. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was just horrible. That, I saw that and I was like, yeah, this company will be like shutting down in a couple of months and I was yeah, like... I mean, it's here. Here's the thing about that whole. I mean, I, just to get a little bit into that battle royale, <laughs> streamers now dictate everything to us. But that's what it felt like. It felt like they were looking out there, just trying to get some kind of interest into any of their games, and thought that this would be an entrance because so many streamers were out there playing battle royales. So they, you know, popped it out the door to get a battle royale out, and it, it was nothing but a, a blatant cash grab. But um, I mean, I I don't know, like. I don't dislike Cliffy B. I just dislike the way he talks and thinks about gamers. It feels archaic to me. It feels like how 90s. People, yeah, very 90s. Like, you know, they want to fast frag each other in, a, in an arena death match and like and, and eat not che- uh, Cheetos and <laughs> yeah. like yeah, I mean, drink Mountain he, he got to start with Unreal. It looks like he just has never really moved on. Right, right. on Unreal. And, no, and, wait. <laughs> they want to eat Doritos. Sorry. I'm going to start with, yeah. like, Jazz Jackrabbit. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. In, in all the advertising, though, it was about how hardcore it is, how tough it is, how how you're going to get killed, and, you know, he's going to make you his bitch to, you know, steal that old phrase. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, that's, th- a, that's what it... That's John that's Romero. That's a John Romero. <laughs> yeah, but no, but, I mean, like, that's the kind of advertising he was going Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get like, I get You know you. what I mean? Shock yeah. um, advertising, like, ah, yeah. hardcore. Exactly. And that feels so old to me when right now, even when you're putting out like shooters, like you're showing people all the co-op modes, all the battle royale modes, all the way they can play with their friends and do this and do that. Like, what are the best shooters at now? Like Overwatch? Hell, that's a cooperative in a, in a way game. There's very few one on one. Fortnite, right? Yeah. Fortnite is like loud and colorful and friendly. Yeah, I still like, can't t-rated. believe Fortnite is a thing. I still <laughs> can't believe it. You, I, like, I was blown away. I thought like player unknown battlegrounds like PUBG. I thought like, yeah, sure, it's going to be popular, and then it's going to influence other games. Um, but but like Fortnite appeared, and I was like, yeah, it's a ripoff. It's uh, it's going to be popular for a little while, and then it's going oh, to die down, and then. It exploded, and I was yeah. like, what the, the hell is going Fortnite on? Fortnite came before PUBG, but it didn't yep. have the Battle Royale mode. 
yeah. when they added the Battle Royale mode as sort yeah, of a I know, free yeah, update, yeah, and then that. it exploded. I still popularity. think it's the children that are wrong. I'm, <laughs> I'm with it. I, but, I'm still against Fortnite. So I, no, I guess the children think love about... it, though. Yeah. I know, like, I know. That's what exactly my, what my colleague was telling me about how her son is just like addicted to Fortnite, and that's why he's failing high school. I can't yeah, get yeah. my kid like, to stop doing Fortnite dances. I like literally like at the store in line, you know, buying groceries. It's yeah. Fortnite dances. And, like, and, and if you ever, if you, I, I clicked on YouTube Rewind, and that was my, <laughs> but that was just like chock full of Fortnite references. Oh, 100%. I, like, oh my God, I feel like a thousand year old man. So I, I guess for Cliffy B though, this was kind of a wake up that gaming's kind of moved on, right? I mean, in a way, like yeah, you, you can't He's, just. that 90s arena shooter it might have a niche audience but you can't bank a company on that kind of game anymore you know it's just Um, what people want part of it you can't really blame on him though because he had gears of war the uh you know wouldn't that come out 10 years ago now and that was a huge trilogy so that probably reinforces notions the 90s era stuff leading to this and he also burnt a lot of bridges on his way out right like i think i think not making all his fans are on xbox Right for the most part, and then I don't think launch or Lawbreakers ever had a console release, right? I think it PC was only? on. Wait, hold on. I think it was on PS4. Let me check. Uh, well, PS4 and Microsoft Windows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, where's your fan yeah. base? They're all on Xbox. You know, like, why would you do that? It. it I guess you want to defy the company that made you, and, and sure, but man, that's where your fans are. That that's just. That's a boneheaded mistake, you know? I think it's more like Epic was feuding with Microsoft and he kind of still had his loyalty to Epic, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell what he, what he was thinking. Um, it was, this was also around the time when everybody was kind of piling on Microsoft for, like, let's face it, Don Matrick was an awful mm-hmm. salesman for the Xbox brand. Yeah. And so everybody what just kind of was rebelling. What a difference um, a year's made, though. I mean, geez, I if mean, he would have... It wasn't just – I mean, getting rid of Don Matrick was, was the key in replacing yeah. Phil Spencer. Um, if, they, if they still had Don Matrick uh, at the helm, trust me, people would not be thinking positively about Xbox these days. Um, so, yeah, yeah so, uh, I can but, see why, why Cliffy B kind of did it, but also he has a tendency to, to kind of alienate people when he doesn't need to. And even though he's, he's kind of – in some ways he's evolved with the times, you know, he's – He's spoken very passionately about the need for inclusivity in video games. And, you know, that's, that's been very positive. But he's also kind of stuck in the old ways of, of thinking about how to, how to get people excited about video games. That's just not what people are, are into anymore. That's exactly mm-hmm. how I'd put it. He, he, he's, he had a wake-up call about where gaming is. And more for along the advertising and the type of game he made than, you know, his because the game looked good, but... I mean, if, if you're if you told me, hey, you're going to bank your company, you own a video game company right now, you can make one type of game, and you know your company's future relies on it. And it, your answer was arena shooter, I'd fire you on the spot. <laughs> fine, yeah, but there's there's know? a way to sell it to make it. You know what, what he should have emphasized, or what the the marketing folks should have emphasized was, this is fun. They should have emphasized the movement, right? Well, Not like that's the... Overwatch, though, right? I mean, isn't Overwatch the fun? You know competitive-ish shooter right now, wouldn't right, you say? But, but, like, layer that, uh, layer the um, the movement options on top of mm-hmm. the fun. Like, this is Overwatch, but you have jetpacks. But instead, it's you're going to suck and you're going to get your ass beat and, you know, this game's too hard for you average people, 
right? Was, like, wasn't there that other game that came out the same time as Overwatch? So it's the same thing that Battleborn? nobody cared oh, about. Oh yeah, <laughs> Battleborn was even got... worse in a lot of ways because they just didn't know how to sell it. It was a really confused game. It was a mixture of like a like a hero shooter, I guess, sort of MOBA ish. I don't really yeah. Know. Yeah, it had lanes and <laughs> the, all that. The MOBA part of it doomed that game. I, I played it. I I want to say I bought like a complete pack for like eighteen bucks or something, like well into like the the death spiral of that game, and confused is the best way to describe that game. Um, it feel, it yeah. felt like they maybe they co came up with the same idea that Overwatch did at the same time, and then they were like, oh shit, we've got to figure out something that makes this game not Overwatch, <laughs> and that's what the game ended up with. But yeah, it was it was rough. Oh, I was so confused, like, in the lead-up to the release of both those games. For a while, I got into my head that there was a game called Battlewatch coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I realized, wait, Mr. that makes no sense, there's no game called Overborn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, I, that game just, just flopped so yeah. badly. Um, so we're talking about Microsoft and, and all they've been, uh, they've been doing. So this year, in June, around E3, they announced that they'd bought out a whole bunch of studios um undead labs playground games compulsion games and ninja theory uh and then november they announced even bigger news they bought out obsidian yeah and in exile as well oh yeah in exile i forgot about that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um it's it's a good i don't know man like I, i feel like i talk a lot about how happy i am with where microsoft is going and i think it's because i've always been a pc gamer first right so I'm so glad now that I don't have to choose between a lot of Xbox games and PC games and I get both the best of both worlds. Right. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I've always wanted Buy the game and you play it where you want to. And, and that's what they've been giving me on top of the game pass on top of all the other stuff. So it, it's a good time to see them kind of do exactly what PlayStation did <laughs> the last generation when Microsoft was on top. And then, they, you know, Microsoft came in with a lot of the, you know, we're just going to do what we want. Too bad. Deal with it. Everybody said, no, we're going to deal with it by going to Sony. And I feel like we're seeing the exact flip right now um, yeah. in terms of who's the consumer-friendly one versus who's on top. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting way of, of looking at this. What, what, what interests me about this move is that um, Microsoft, like I think, I think we can all agree that their their first party development and their exclusives this gen have been somewhat anemic, Absolutely. even compared to previous yeah. gen. Um, and I don't see this as a move to to kind of do a hail mary this gen. I think they're bolstering up their development for next gen. That's exactly what I would agree with. Exactly what I agree with. I, I think this is for a next gen type streaming platform that they're leaning towards. The, the thing I would say, too, about it that's that's kind of interesting is it doesn't seem like where they've been hitting out of the park has been in AAA games, right? Like the God of Wars haven't been there, but the Cupheads have. And so have a lot of those little you know, Ori in the Blind Forest and those types of things. So I think Absolutely, it kind of yeah. I think it kind of makes sense with the studios they're buying to really sell that level of it, because if you're putting out six or seven of those Cupheads or Ori's a year, I think you've got a pretty good argument to make. Yeah, we might not have, you know the the god of wars or the um you know the uncharted's but look would you trade that for four ories or you know five i mean that's pretty much the switch strategy right now yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say that's a valid proposition for the switch and it's worked out wonderfully well it's a great home for indie games Um, yeah but switch has this like weird 
you know, it, it it's portable, so it like That's it's true. definitely a di- completely different thing on 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 that in that way. Like, well, uh, I right. mean, but if you argue yeah. that Microsoft's giving you PC and Xbox games at the same time, if I want to play Cuphead on a laptop, I mean, I'm sure it can run it. You know, so I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like they've got some smartness going on right now and how they're they're moving things ahead. Um, and I'd be interested to see where this ends because I think we're all kind of agreeing that the next generation is a streaming system, right? Or at least a, I, a skew of it is. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I think I, that's going to be. I think that's going to be the gen afterwards. Yeah. The next yeah, gen is yeah, going to yeah. be fairly standard. I would say that. I don't think we're ready for like only streaming. Uh, like, well, it might the, be like a component of it or something. I guess, yeah, I maybe. Say. Yeah, yeah, I but, think, yeah, yeah. I we, think we we're going to try to move towards it, but it'll be like a like a quarter measure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if if you've got a lot of quick hit fast streaming games, I think you want to have a varied lineup, and I, I think that's what they're pushing for. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it ends up, but I I think Microsoft is going to be interested in next gen a little bit more than i think sony will be if they stay where they're at right now well sony just seems like it's a mess right now they don't have any information about what they're doing and and, and it's frustrating people to the point of hey um why can't i play my Fortnite account or, or just the account cross play you know like there's a lot of stuff in there that, that i think they've had a kind of cave to people that they felt really resistant on for not really a good reason other than too bad. We don't want to let you, you know? Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't Rocket know. Rocket League I, was the big one. I remember. Yeah. 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 And remember yeah, Fortnite accidentally enabled crossplay, and it was like in the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I can yeah. play against Sony and, and, and people. I, and bet, then, like, I bet there are some like legal reasons why they might not could have done that. Like, just I don't know. Like I'm not no. I I don't have any inside knowledge, but uh, it seems easy to do and to say that it's a cool idea. But I don't know about like communication between those companies. Yeah, right. I, I'd but agree. then the legal is the legal argument becomes less believable if Nintendo and Microsoft cooperate with each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but they they could have like it could have been like for for a long time like they could have like talked for a long time before it happened like you know it's not a thing that you can just like maybe do and then say yeah just it 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 went you know overnight we just decided that to let people do this <laughs> like it, it's probably a thing that uh it has to be like coordinated between two companies well i, I think i think nintendo and xbox did that or nintendo and microsoft yeah. did that and yeah, yeah, i yeah. think for some reason, Sony's just never wanted to come to the table and yeah, have I th- that same. I think it's like different policies of the company. Like they didn't think that it was worth their time to like in 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 you know in, invest in this uh, in this uh, in this mode like a crossplay mode for for their mm-hmm. games. I mean, it it just didn't seem like a good idea for them. But obviously, it. You know, I mean, I sort of get it from the competition perspective because yeah, PlayStation also, yeah. and Xbox are kind of serving the same niche, whereas Nintendo's saying, oh, well, this is about playing Rocket League on the go versus your friend who's playing it on their couch, and yeah. we're not really competing. Uh, um, I mean, so I, I see, see that Nintendo's somewhat. argument. Yeah, but, but I guess here's my thing, too, is if you're a game dev, right, and you know that there's like there's finite cycle for how long your game is going to be on top, you know, or player bases are going to be a certain thing or whatever, you know? Um, like let me put it this way: like let's say Rocket League, for example, right? How how long are people going to play Rocket League for? Six mm-hmm. months, eight months, a year? 
wouldn't you want forever, man? Wouldn't you <laughs> yeah. Want, yeah, but, but wouldn't you want your player base to be as high as possible for as long as possible? Right. You know what I mean? That's like so. Rocket you, League wanted crossplay. It was yeah. right. Sony who, who yeah. so, Right. So, but like that, if I was a dev, I'd really want that. I, I'd push for that and say, okay, well. I would want Nintendo people playing Xbox people playing PlayStation 4 people because then I've got a compu- a community base because some of those popular multiplayer games die out because there's just not enough people to play with, you know? It's fragmented. For, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that's, the, the, the devs yeah, wanted but, it. It's, it's yeah, Stony who wasn't playing ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they push for that kind of stuff versus, um, you know, everybody else. So, yeah. Well, have to be the a really big have all the company to you know, really want that and say like, oh, we're not going to release uh, our game on your platform if you're not going to do that. And they're not going to say that probably because it's just also not feasible in that way. Like the newest, like, I don't know, Call of Duty, maybe Call of yeah. Duty, like, says like, I, we don't care. It's like our games like have a very short uh, lifespan when it comes online to online. And it's like, we're going to release them on all of the consoles, so we kind of don't care if if they have cross-platform play. It's the indie game developers yep. that really care, and they don't really have that much of a push, I think. I, I, mean, I think Duty has the advantage that they release a new game every year, so they don't need the lifespan the way an yeah. indie game needs yeah, it, the lifespan to last. That's yeah. a good point. I bet you, in a way, they actually want it to die out because, you know, those servers that they still got, you know, paying for for modern warfare 2 it'd be great if they didn't have to keep paying for them you know like so i bet you they do kind of in a way want it to die out in kind of a natural cycle uh, yeah. probably saves them money but no i mean i think i've on the podcast i think i'm on record of really liking what microsoft's doing um for a while now um and in a way it kind of feels vindicating to see people come along because i think i was the one person when they announced the remember the original plan from uh xbox one where you know you're yeah, going to own a game life. A great plan. I still love it. I still love it. I wish I had it and kind of kind of feel like yeah, watching them I'm not on board. Time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like it. Then again, I think it was as much um like I'd say 50% of the reasons that wasn't a great plan. The other 50% of the reasons that Don Matrick was awful at selling it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't present it in a good way. Like just people were against it from the start. Um, but yeah, now, now Microsoft has, has kind of turned things around. Will be interesting to see is that because Sony has secured so many exclusives, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes forward. Because I can, because now Nintendo's starting for the Switch is starting to secure some of the kind of lower fi Japanese games that don't have super high graphical requirements, and right. those are are getting placed on both Nintendo and Sony's consoles. And the bigger budget Japanese games are now also coming to Xbox. Microsoft's making a huge push. Like, they, they went full weeaboo at E3, right? They're, like, yep, advertising absolutely. fucking Dragon Ball and Jump Force. So now, like, if you're a Switch owner and you're, you're debating, do I get the PS5 or the Xbox 2 or whatever it's going to be, it, it becomes an actual debate now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And now with Microsoft making a push for some really, you know, potentially substantial exclusives, like I guess the Outer Worlds is going to be an Xbox exclusive, the, the upcoming Obsidian game. Mm-hmm. It, it does become an interesting value proposition. So, And, and then, we'll you see. know what's so weird on top of all of this that we didn't really, I don't know if we we're going to mention, but Sony's like, we're not even going to E3 this year. You know, <laughs> like it's like, no, nah, we're good. 
I don't, like they're not having their own Sony event and they're not going to E3. So I just wonder, like, do they feel like they're so big they don't have to, or do they I, have I think literally they just, nothing to? No, I I think they they just saw the writing on the wall when it comes to E3. Uh, E3 is dying out. I think like it just doesn't matter. Let's still have uh, your own event. I mean. Yeah, Nintendo I'd does that. Nintendo yeah, yeah. E3. Nintendo still does a direct every E3. Yeah, and it works pretty well. Aside so from so, well, Sony will also do maybe something similar. They won't just con- no. They, they, they said they they're just they said not going to do a direct or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not doing anything till next year. Which was yeah. my question about Sony's goal going forward is because there's word they're working on PS5, but there's nothing more than rumor about it. And they announced they're basically stopping most of their PS4 development and production. So it's like, when's the PS5 coming out? Three years from now? There's going to be a huge gap. Yeah. Especially since the PS Pro was such a a half measure, right? Like, it's not a true 4K console in a lot of ways that the – it doesn't even top the Xbox One X, you know? I mean, it so, was never yeah, but to, I really. I think it's good enough. I think it's like uh, the, it's good the, enough the for thing... three years, though. I mean, 4Ks yeah. are in, in everybody's house now. It, you no, know, that no, really? no, 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 no. Uh, I think you'd be surprised. 4K adoption would uh, be pretty good. I, I think you'd be surprised. I, I'm not saying you're wrong, maybe, but I don't think you, there as as many people as you think have 4K TVs. Like a lot of people just. I, mean, I think it's what HD like TV. people who recently bought their TVs now yeah. buy 4Ks. But if maybe, your TV's yeah. like six, seven years old, it's not a 4K TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, but I, mean, I still have 720p TV, and I, I I play a lot of video games, so I don't I don't care. I don't want a 4K TV. I have one of those fancy flat panel TVs, but it's a 1080p. It's also like six years old. Yeah, uh, but I I don't know. I just don't think like people have all the many people have 4K TVs. I don't think that's like a selling point for now. Like you, I mean, you're gonna play. I would say like all the new TVs nowadays. If you're buying a new one, you're probably buying a 4K TV. But that's like, I don't know how big the market is so far. And so it might have been kind of expected to of reach 98.4 million sales this year. Sure. Oh wow, that's a lot. I mean, that's yeah. faster. That's up there with how people bought HD. You know, so it no, that's that global sales, not just US. But yeah, yeah. it's that's getting awesome. there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, getting bigger. Sure, it's getting bigger because people are buying new TVs sooner or later. Everyone is going to happen. But, but if you're TV. buying a 4K right now and you're looking for a console, I don't know why you'd look at a PS Pro. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty exclusive though, right? I don't, it's it exclusives. You don't yeah. if you don't want like yeah. if you don't want to play like Gears of War four, then and you'd rather play I don't know Uncharted in full 4K glory. It's also glory, the price. I think that's the, what you'd want. Also, the price is like different between like ps pro and xbox whatever right yeah. like the, it's it's more expensive where your friends are we've talked about that a lot i think that's also the, yeah it. all right so let's move on to september when the big news was telltale games shutting down unexpectedly just kind of out of nowhere <laughs> unexpectedly um, to you guys <laughs> i was like yeah it makes sense <laughs> yeah i also was I like mean, I yeah, say yeah once we once we learned of their financial situation i was not surprised but i still didn't think it would happen so suddenly i, I no, thought there'd be rumblings when, when i heard about like their ceo going crazy i was like yep this is the beginning of the end <laughs> i for me I, I think it's like i think we talked about i think you've got a combination of expensive licenses i'm sure those licenses aren't all cheap you know you've got an aging looking game and a system that isn't very fun and 
just more more the illusion of choice than actual choice across a series of games. Like when when you've got an RPG like Mass Effect that handled choices better than games kind of designed around that premise, that's that's a weak way to go with it. I, I, I it's hard for me to to defend what their games were. And yeah, there were funny parts and you know lots of character development. And, and I, I do care about what happened to you know certain characters and their stories, but that's not going to get me playing. You know, every single game that they come out with. And Here's the, the part quality of my problem down. was I never had an idea of what the games were. I knew they were kind of choose-your-own-adventure stuff, but it's just a hard thing to sell to a random person if you haven't but, actually tried them. But I don't see, think that's the problem. I think, like, the people that were into them were way into them before. Like, I was into them, way into them. And then, like, the quality went down real bad. Because they, they started were like, turning them out too fast. Yeah. Yes. So just they, compare yeah. the Walking Dead season two to the original Walking Dead season yeah, one. Exactly. And the quality just plummets. Yeah. And like you go, I'm not gonna say that the the complexity of the decision tree is what really matters here. No. But you go from your choices sort of not mattering in retrospect in in the Walking Dead, but it still sort of works as a narrative. The Walking Dead season two, where your choices just transparently don't matter. Yeah, like like it's, in the next scene. Yeah, but not only the choices don't matter, but like you don't care about the characters really. Yeah, because it's oh, yeah. like I was I was badly angry by the end. Of yeah, I feel like there, I feel like there was an A team. Is the best way I could put it. There was some like there was a team at Telltale that was knocking out of the park with like Walking Dead season one and like The Wolf Among Us and like maybe some of the other games. And then I feel like. You had another team that was just like, just get this Game of Thrones game out the fucking door, you know? <laughs> and so, like, I feel like the A-team was like, let's say, Walking Dead, then Wolf Among Us, then Borderlands, right? Like, I think those are all, like, highly received. And then every other game was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, there was a Guardians of Galaxy one. There was a, yeah, I mean, it's just... Minecraft Story Mode was actually one of their biggest hits. Yeah, um, but... But I don't know anybody who, who liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but mostly kids, though, I think. And, like, it also, I don't know if you know, as the Minecraft story mode went to Netflix. So, I, that was, like, so weird to see that. Like, Netflix oh, has so the, games now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, just like, yeah, Let's Plays. <laughs> I guess it's a Let's Play. Yeah, so the update here, actually, is that the last season of The Walking Dead went to Skybound Games, which mm-hmm. I guess the, the comic publisher that published The Walking Dead comic. Mm-hmm. So it will get finished, but everything else, like The Wolf Among Us, any other games they were they were working on, those are just dead now. For good. Yeah. Shame. The Wolf yeah, Among it's... Us was, I think, one of the last good games that they made. Was I agree? It was phenomenal, and I'm yeah. I'm sad we're not going to get a season two. Then yeah. again, I don't know if I'd want a season two made by Zombie Telltale. Oh um, yeah, because Wait, is, is I love the first of... season of The Walking Dead. Doesn't yeah, that kind of speak to not understanding or listen to your fans when people are saying, "Man, Wolf Among Us, what a fantastic game!" Let's get why did why wasn't that sequel prioritized over all the other weird shit they made between? Uh, because the Walking Dead season, the walk, the Wolf Among Us season one just didn't sell. Yeah, I think they Nobody were like, it. <laughs> you know what's cool? Getting the uh, Game of Thrones license while that is hot, like that will get us a lot <laughs> they, of money. They thought they they make sales on it, and yeah. they just didn't. Oh, yeah. that game. Well, yeah, have you guys tried yeah. that? Yeah, I did. I played one? three episodes. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. I'm surprised you made it that far. That that second episode was just like, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. None of this matters. Yeah. <laughs> here's it, what, here's what the story is. It was really bad. It was <laughs> yeah. really bad. Yeah. Jesus Christ, um, it was really bad. 
So yeah. yeah, it didn't even have it didn't even have Peter Dinklage in it, and nope, we all know it, Peter it Dinklage did. is yeah. the curse that ruins video games. You know, there's like there, I, I would love to kind of like put down a list of like there's a genre of game where you play as like not not them. Like, do you guys remember there was like a Lord of the Rings RPG that came out not too long ago where you play as like not Legolas, not Gimli, and not yeah. Aragorn? Like... Oh yeah, it was like a <laughs> weird Final Fantasy X style RPG. Yeah, it was pretty good as far yeah, as the game, okay. but it's like you, you're knock playing off just like... Legolas, knock off yeah. Gimli, knock off Aragorn. <laughs> it's really weird. Well, you, I, I could have played the actual ones because they already had the SNES RPG, which is the best RPG for Lord of the Rings possible. Yeah, they they do a lot of weird <laughs> stuff with those types of like they don't oh, want to yeah. tell the same story, but they don't want to tell you a different story. But, but it was the same story almost exactly. It was Game of so Thrones like Schmegalos or yeah. Wimley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were pretty much yeah. They were like. Uh, like in the uh, Spaceballs joke about like stunt actors, like they were yeah. looking it just slightly. Oh, it's like up. the Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. also that. But yeah. then the, the Game of Thrones games basically what it does is just creates a house, creates a like, and then it just puts in all these situations that you're like, yeah, that's something a, a, a Lannister would do with a Stark, you know, or whatever. But like, except for it's like House Fork or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why that was the name I came up with. I am from House Fork. We're but it, it, really into cutlery. <laughs> and then it gives you all these like scenarios where it's like, okay, there's no way I can win. And like it's supposed to feel like, you know, how in Game of Thrones where like somebody's backed into a corner, they get desperate, but then it doesn't matter in the game because it's gonna give you the, the outcome that's already pre programmed in there, you know? Like it's I don't know. It it, it, it makes you take a, like a good like make a good decision the game will just find some way to fuck you over yeah. that's what i realized about telltale games no matter like especially walking dead season two no matter what you do even if it makes sense the universe will spit in your face and fuck you over yeah. and that's just <laughs> not fun gaming yeah it wears you like, there's no there's no oh, puzzle damn, or moral damn. dilemma when everything you do just fucks something over yeah it, you know it really reminds me of well, like 10 years ago, there was a big push to have a lot of moral choices in games. You got stuff like Fable and whatnot. And almost all of them seem to come into that where the moral choices never mattered in the games. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I can count on one hand the number of games that actually have moral choices it's where your choices hard. actually have an impact. It's really yeah. hard to make a choice that makes an impact because you have to uh, design a whole part of a game where most of the audience won't see it. And then you're like, oh, you're wasting money. Right. And that's yeah. No, I understand. It's hard. See, I'm, I'm fine with it just it. being like expressive yeah. choice and and just influencing the tone. So yeah. I think Dragon Age does that super well. Yeah, oh, yeah. I agree. I, I think I think Bioware nails it. Where it's like it doesn't have to necessarily. Oh my god, Dragon Age though. Dragon Age is also one of the casualties of 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 EA. Well, I, I yeah. We might Wait, get into that later. Yeah. No, Dragon Age Four is getting made. Yeah, yeah but the last two Dragon Ages just weren't very good. But, but like, remember when Mass, Effect, when Mass Effect 2 rolled out and you were like, oh my god, all that shit, well not all of it, but lots of shit that I didn't think was even going to matter all of a sudden matters in this game. Yeah. You know, like, even, even little... Yeah. And, and so if they could pull it off, what I guess what I'm saying is that was kind of like, there was a, still a solid RPG game underneath all that, and then... It's like with Telltale, all you got is the damn choices. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's all uh, there is there. Yeah, but it's like a simpler game. You know, it's just like a medium to tell the story more it's than like. It's also like, uh, like a much lower budget game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but but uh, still, yeah. I mean, you can you can sit there and you can storyboard out those choices and make 
you know, I get you don't want to make totally different games uh, at some point, but, you know, you can still put some effort into it where it's not I, so transparent 20 minutes later that the choice yeah, you made didn't fucking matter. I think I, you guys are know, way, like, way too much into those those, those choice things. I at think the end if, of the if, day, though... Yeah, like, it's, it's the story that matters. If it's a good, uh, like, a plot, like, nobody cares about the choices. I'm just, let me put it this way. I'm sure this had some impact on, like, the quality of their games had some impact on sales. I think there were a lot of um, there were a lot of commenters and pundits who initially didn't want to go down that route, and I think they mm-hmm. were mistaken. But there are other factors. Just like The Wolf Among Us was not a super popular license. People didn't want discount Game of Thrones, for instance. They wanted the real thing with the characters they liked. Yeah. So, like, I can see why it wasn't just quality that screwed them in the end. It was picking up expensive licenses that people didn't want to really play through in the end. And, um, and not only that, like lower quality storytelling in those expensive licenses. It's crazy to think that they mm-hmm. thought that they could pull it off. Yeah. 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 So in the end, if you make, if you like churn out low quality games on expensive licenses, people are just not going to come and buy them. And Which how is weird. weird. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just, thought about like all those game uh, you know games that were uh, uh done in the past uh, like licensed games right so all of those were really bad and like remember before like the dark knight i uh, i mean arkham asylum uh there were a bunch of like batman games that were really bad and like spider-man games that were well, some of the spider-man games were really good. <laughs> But a lot of like games based on movies and and, uh, and 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 comic books were really horrible. I don't so... know what you're talking about. Superman sixty four was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's a that's. I don't know if that was an expensive license, but you know, you 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 buy a thing and you just hope that it sells based on its license and nothing else. And, well, here's and... the other part of it: is how weird is it that you flood the market yourself with your own product? You know what I mean, like. There they was devalued no value their own product. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, well, if I don't like this Telltale game, I'll wait a week and there'll be another one out in two months. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it, it's weird to me that, that that would be something that a company would do and not just take a sit back and be like, okay, we just released one. Why don't we wait a month or something, you know? And I think what they could have done is just experimented with genre a bit. Yeah. Instead of, yeah. if they, they could release games in that volume if they were actually different from each other. Right. And but, I mean, part, of, part of the problem there, too, is they're releasing a bunch of games, but they're releasing them in episodes. So, you know, mm-hmm. one game is spread out over a lot of time, which can be confusing for people to follow. You know, I buy part of an episode. Now I got to wait six months, a year for the second episode while two other games came out in the meantime. And, 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 that's like and, the Kentucky Route Zero yeah, model. And it's not the perfect schedule. It, it, they almost never kept, like, a good schedule going. So you, you're kind of like... It worked really well, though, for, like, Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. So it can work. Yeah, but, but they uh, had most of that game was already, I think, pretty in a good state when they started uh, letting out the episodes. I don't think it was like, oh, geez, we got to finish the episode three before we, uh, you know, uh, go out with episode two. They're I'm pretty good sure. about adhering to a schedule. There are a couple yeah, of delays yeah. along the way, but they more or less adhered to the schedule. And, you know, it was very regular. Like every three months, they're yeah. going to get another installment of this. Yeah. Well, the other thing about episodic games is I think it it gives you a lot more of an incentive to wait till the whole game is out than a regular game would. Do you know what I mean? Because 
you're not going to get the ending spoiled. You, the more she'll get is a one or two episodes in, you know, so you can let people try out a 20 minute, 30 minute episode, get the feedback, see what it's like, and then catch back up with it, you know, two or three weeks down the line. Um, I mean, I, I think there's more of, a, of an incentive to do that. Um, <laughs> Man, Life is Strange was really good. Yeah. It's just it like, it's just like crazy that. Uh, they pulled off a better Telltale game than than Telltale did. I didn't like that they... half a sequel thing they did though. That was rough. Yeah, but... that that was that was very good. <laughs> Before the yeah. storm, I didn't end up playing it. Yeah, um, you're probably so better also, off. Honestly. Also, in September, a couple of other big things happened. Nintendo Switch Online launched, so they finally oh, have an yeah. online service. I guess it's not really much of a service. But no, it's not. <laughs> I, 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 I am subscribed though. I don't know why, but I am. I subscribed this week just to play in those uh, avocado tournaments for Smash. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. Smash the thing. <laughs> so I've heard it's it's functional, but just really bare bones. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. Um, also, how's that classic game subscription? Is that even a thing? Am I? I haven't cool. NES I that up. my TV. <laughs> I, I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> I did. I did play a couple of those virtual console games. Is I mean, sorry, the classic games. Yeah, they didn't. Have, they don't have virtual console this time around. Yeah, what are they doing, man? Uh, they it, doing? It's not. It's not great. Like there's just like, I don't know, fifteen, twenty games available, and they keep releasing. I think new ones every now and then, and they even. Are releasing like weird hacks of of uh, games that they already released. Like uh, they released a Zelda hack that's like that's very it's very weird what they're yeah. doing with that. But it's interesting. It's not. It's better it's than not... what PlayStation Classic did. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's interesting with the with the hacks. I I was surprised, like positive, like I I I didn't think like they would do anything as interesting as that with with that service. So it, it's pretty so... okay. Okay, it's going to keep chugging along. Yeah. I'm probably never going to buy in because I'm a cheap ass. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I feel kind of guilty for having it, but there you go. Here, <laughs> here we are. All right. Also in September, EA got in hot water um, because they defied a Belgian court order on loot boxes. Mm. Um, is that even Belgium. a real country, though? I mean, let's be nah, honest. <laughs> No. Belgium is a real country. Of, you, I, I know, I know people from Belgium. Real. What is it, nah, Belgium? Now we're Belgium. just making it up. We're just making um, it up. So what Belgium ruled was that loot boxes count as gambling, and so have to be regulated as gambling. Uh, EA argued that loot boxes aren't gambling. Matter is going to be headed toward, uh, to a Belgian court. If EA loses the legal battle, then it could possibly have a chilling effect on other publishers. And now, the Bel- very recently, the Belgian government reportedly launched a criminal investigation into EA's business practices. So shit's going down in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel like this is like old getting Al Capone on, you know, like tax evasion charges, though. Like, it's interesting that they're outlawing the loot boxes. But, you know, I feel like it's too far down the road. Like, you've got entire microtransaction design games now on, on mobile and stuff. So I don't know how those games are going to, you know, it's weird that EA is the one fighting it. I would imagine it'd be like one of those weird mobile companies like Tencent or something doing it. But yeah, they don't have the, the cost, yeah. right? Yeah. EA has the, it's the interesting cash. to take down one of those little guys than just strike, you know, a giant. In, right, you know. right. But I, I guess from my perspective, I'm like, I, I just don't, 
Like, I think it's a shitty business practice. I just don't know if I'm 100% behind it being, like, gambling, like, classified as gambling. It just doesn't, I don't know, something about it seems weird to me. Like, I, it I is, but want... it's also, the, the microtransaction thing is kind of weird also. I, I, mean, I agree that it's, like, maybe it's an overreaction to call it gambling, but I also think it's not cool what they're doing. Yeah, they, exactly. Let me yeah. put it this way, like... How does so gambling is is functionally illegal throughout most of Japan? How do they get around that? You essentially quote unquote gamble at like a pachinko machine. You get tokens. You redeem them for like yeah. prizes. But you can't like gamble for money. It's the same sort of oh, thing. No, it's not, effectively not gambling here. You open, get money. You get money that, back. <laughs> you know the best thing about that gambling in Japan? You get prizes, and just around the corner, there's someone willing to pay you money for those prizes that you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. In the, in the um, US, nobody's willing to pay. I guess people are willing to pay money for like, they're like online, you know, skin exchanges for for Dota or what have you. Um, if you ever so want to, these read, things like, exist. A historical article that's really fascinating right in the united states there was a big thing about tests games of luck versus games of skill right so slots versus you know video games right um and so there was a, a new york gambling commission that basically said pinball is a game of luck um so they wanted to basically make pinball illegal outside of casinos and yeah. so they got some like pinball jockey to show them like no i can hit this i can do that like he like he literally said like hit that ramp and he would hit the ramp he's like so they classified pinball as a game of skill and let it be still in arcades yeah. um but I, I think the problem with pinball, pinball was, was that it attracted a large uh clientele of maybe illicit intentions maybe right. people, would, people would bet on it and gamble yeah. on it. And, and remember I, pinball in the 40s didn't have flippers when LaGuardia was doing all that so in the mm -hmm. 40s it still kind of was more luck-based it was based. like it was pachinko yeah <laughs> So, but I guess where I'm going with that is if I was going to be the one to take down gambling in esports or whatever, I would take down all those weird, uh, whatchamacallit sites, those, um, like gamble for skins in CSGO type things. Oh, or, God, those things. Jesus. Yeah, because that's, that's actual gambling, uh, yeah. you know, and then I, I feel like that, that's, that's a, a, a bigger step you can I take. I think they're trying they to take in them the same down? Yeah. kind of legal gray areas like fantasy sports betting sites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they so, are. But you that's could... why that's why they're kind of allowed to, to continue operating. Um, not saying that they should be, but I think that just like companies trying to like communicate that they do not want any of that shit going on. Yeah, and like that's I I think I remember Valve going for those that the biggest site that was like handling right but that was so... that was after the whole T Martin fiasco. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, Valve didn't take action until. The negative Everybody was like, "Wait a minute! In. Yeah, you're yeah. ripping off kids." I, I, I don't know. Like, I think we're all kind of <laughs> microtransaction sucks. It's a problem. It shouldn't exist. But I think the other part of it is like, I don't know if I would technically call it gambling. Um, it, it just doesn't have that same feeling to me as gambling because, you know, like who am I to say like if I buy an Overwatch loot box right and I get a tracer skin, but I wanted a McCree skin. I mean, yeah, there's kind of an element of luck to it, but I still get something, you know, like it's yeah. not like you either lose everything or win a, a, a large amount to me, which is what gambling is about to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's exactly gambling, but but we, I think like it's a, a gachapon a, a mm -hmm. machine kind of. And that yeah. also sucks a lot. 
and like it's a it's a thing that addicts people. It's not maybe per se gambling per se, but it's it's addictive like, and it's like, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it's kind of whether or not it's it's, it's gambling is it's kind of semantics, and right? Yeah, it's still it's something. A, it's a moot point because it's problematic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yes. <clears throat> it's predatory. It's like trying to get as much money from people as possible, and it doesn't have a limit. And yeah. I don't know. That that seems that sucks. And what confuses me on this story is looking at it, one of the games that triggered it was FIFA 18. What loot boxes are in FIFA 18? So in FIFA, it had the same thing as Madden does, where they call it an ultimate team, right? So think about like fantasy football or fantasy soccer or whatever, right? So you basically buy a pack of cards. The cards then have a random amount in them, um, and then each card has random stats to it. So, like, let's say you buy the pack and you get a Tom Brady, but he's an 85. You can then go on the market, sell that 85 Tom Brady, and try to get a 90 Tom Brady plus a little bit of cash. There's a weird, like, market that exists in there that where you're basically trading, you know, real money for virtual money to buy these cards and then trading the cards with a, you know— kind of a, a thing into it because they have this whole online marketplace that that one i think is a really good example of when it's much closer to gambling than let's say an overwatch loot crate do, do you know yeah. what i mean because yeah. that whole <laughs> underground system i've actually i played a little because yeah, there's no resale system for overwatch exactly. loot crates and, and and it's all inside its own little economy where they're setting the prices and then people are bidding on it and there's an auction house and it feels really weird because I, I play a lot of Madden and Madden Ultimate Team has kind of the same thing. And when I was getting into it, I was like, wait a minute. So if I want a classic skinned, you know, Ray Lewis middle linebacker card, he's my favorite player, I basically got to go on this shop and get gouged for a million different reasons or like make these all the complicated trades. A lot of it involves real money. And that that was the one example where I'm like, yeah, this is getting really close. It's kind of like the Diablo 3 real money auction house. Right. Oh, right. God, that right. thing. Oh, and so speaking of bad. Diablo, <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. I did a segue. Nice. Um, speaking of Diablo, um, Diablo Immortal was announced at Ugh. BlizzCon this year in November. Mm. And... It was not well received. Diablo yeah. Immortal is going to be a mobile version of Diablo that is being developed in conjunction with the mobile studio NetEase, which doesn't have the best track record as far as mobile games go. So, you know, I understand the trepidation, but I I'm interested to see what you guys think about the reaction and the backlash to the backlash. And then, you know, the third or fourth or fifth layer of backlash. This was um, kind of similar to what Valve did, where Blizzard just woefully misunderstood how to present this. Yep, exactly <laughs> right. It, it, I think the problem is going to be, it, five years down the line, what we're going to say is the problem was how they presented it. Not, I think the game will be fine. I honestly do. I, I think, but I think it's how they presented it when, you know, if you can't go out there and say, I've got a Diablo announcement and it just be a mobile game. That, that's a slap in the face to, you know, that's lots true. and lots of people. Remember, like, when uh, Microsoft at E3 did the Gears of War, they said they're going to have a new Gears thing. They did kind of like a jokey uh, app. Remember, they announced like a little, like, it was like a chibi Gears of War game. Funko I don't know. Pop of Gears yeah, of War. Yeah, it's like Funko Pop Gears of War. Kind of I was like so confused. Yeah. yeah, and then they announced like an RTS, and people were like, "What the fuck?" And then they're like, "No, Gears of War 5. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think, what people were expecting. Like, okay, yeah, there's a Diablo app, and then they're like, "Yeah, but like one, I don't think I, it, Diablo Four is is anywhere near ready, uh, most likely." Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I I feel like the game will be okay enough. 
I just I feel like the way they announced it was, oh my god, what a mistake at a but, BlizzCon. Yeah, they did say before the conference that we're announcing the Diablo game, but don't get too excited. It's not the Diablo that you think of. Don't don't please don't hype yourself for it. Still, and man. Say, I mean, but no. if they know it's going to be poorly received, why would they announce it as the, the centerpiece? Keynote? Yeah, it's almost yeah. Like a centerpiece. Was, was that game? Like, I understand I think, that you you need to satisfy the investors, yeah. But aren't investors satisfied with like a press release? Yeah, and I, I I don't think yeah. that I think if you're already at or interested into BlizzCon, I don't necessarily think that you need to have a. You can announce expansions and new games and remakes and stuff like that. And I think most fans would be okay with it. But if you're gonna tease a big announcement like that, geez, you know, I I don't know, man, like. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it was a, it was a really really bad way to do the announcement. But um, I, I anticipate the game will be good enough. People, you got to remember this. Almost every original IP that Blizzard announced, people hated Hearthstone. People hated uh, uh, Overwatch. Heroes people people, people hated didn't like Diablo Storm. three. Yeah, Diablo three was a bit. Why don't you just keep making Diablo two expansions forever? People didn't like World of Warcraft. I I I, I know people. You guys might think I'm going to be crazy, but if you go way yeah. back in the history of the internet, like hardcore RTS fans were like, "Fuck this! Blizzard is dead as a company." <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like, they fucking and, printed money off that shit. Yeah, I mean, like you would you, you can go back and look at basically every IP <laughs> that wasn't like a like a new like Warcraft two, Warcraft three, Starcraft one, Starcraft two. You know. It, people hated them. So I think there's a lot of room in there for Blizzard to show they can do this game right. And I might be the last person in the world. I, I still have a lot yeah. of faith in Blizzard. And I, I think I they'll mean, knock it they out make of good book. games. Like yeah. whenever they really try, they make good games yep. because they care about quality a whole bunch. Oh, and because... you better believe that yeah, right, right now. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but when I heard about the stories for or Diablo 4, I, I don't know if I shared this on this podcast already, but I, I think last time I did. But uh, I read a story that they were like, uh, Blizzard said, like, yeah, we, we did develop Diablo 4 for a long time. And it would have been, an announcement would have been ready for BlizzCon. But then we were like, nah, scrap it all. Scrap all of it. Like, it was what? a third-person perspective game. And then they were like, aiming for like a Dark Souls type game, but then they were like nah, this isn't Diablo, scrap it all and they started from scratch and that's why they didn't really go for an announcement on, on this BlizzCon because they were like, what if we have to scratch have to scratch this one off as well, you know, like yeah, yeah. Well, yeah but how long was StarCraft 2 delayed for? Because I remember that was announced and it came out at least two years after the original release date it was supposed to be out because it kept being pushed back, and then it got split into the trilogy, and God knows the Legacy of the Void was pushed back years. Yeah, yeah. If they're going to release something as divisive as a mobile game, say, yeah, we have Diablo 4 coming, here's a mobile game in the meantime. It yeah, that's a great way to put it, yeah. Not to yeah. mention, it's the, the Titan project that they just, a big MMO that they just scrapped. And, well, that became uh, that became Overwatch, though. I mean, at least yeah. it's something with that. Yeah, but yeah, that's... I mean, like, even Jason Shire from Kotaku said, Fucking, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's gonna be a Diablo Four. They're working on it. I've seen builds, and then they're like, "Nah, no, we're not." He made that up. Like, yeah. no, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll yeah. See. I mean, you know, I, I understand why why devs get dead cagey about things that are in development and things that are in flux. Um, 
but and I do I do sympathize with them being, you know, not not positive about about backlash. But at the end of the day, you can't be this tone deaf. Yeah, yeah. You just can't. You have to understand your audience to some degree. And if your audience is toxic, maybe you want to go out and get a different audience. But I don't think saying, you know, don't sell us mobile crap at BlizzCon is, is particularly toxic. Like, it's not, you know, don't make video games with women or anything like that. It's, it's very much like, this is not the product I was looking for. Not, right, don't, right. You know, include other people, and, and that's why I think this one is such a is so different than like let's say like the Battlefield Five hate, you know, which I think has a lot of that in there. It's more like you made your fans mad by hyping them and then dropping the ball, you know. And, and it's not it's it's not the other thing, which is like I'm just going to be mad because I expect this game to cater to me. Um, I th- so what I think has been, and I, I might say something controversial here. So l- let me just. Preface this by, by uh, saying, do tell. Um, Isn't that my that tell? We're going <laughs> down, down, down a weird road. I think, and I understand why people react this way. There's a lot of toxicity in the gaming community, mm. and it's accompanied by a kind of righteous anger. No. But it's not the anger that's the problem, it's the toxic attitudes. Yeah. I don't think anger is an invalid reaction to have, and I think we've I think there's a tendency to kind of conflate the two. So anytime people see anger, they think that it must be accompanied by a toxic attitude. That's not necessarily the case. Um, so I think that's why we saw kind of a backlash to the backlash initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's just entitled gamers being toxic again. And this case, this time I, I don't think it was. And I'm, I'm usually one yeah. of those people to call that when I, when I see, it. I'm like, guys back off. You're just being angry to be angry, you know, or like, you know, Andromeda was probably my perfect example. Like, yeah, there was a lot of problems with it, but it didn't. Des- nobody deserved death threats over Andromeda. You oh know? no, God no! Yeah. But like, this is one of those if times. If you're where sending I... death threats to animators, what are you doing yeah. with your life? Yeah. You know. Um, and, but this one, I feel like you know, it's still, I don't. Death threats are never right, but I think this time, what the people are angry about isn't necessarily wrong. It's not the entitled gamer that we. It usually is. This time, I feel like it's something a little bit different, where it's the company failing to deliver what should be a slam dunk for them at their own fucking conference that they set the schedule and everything for, you know? I mean, so, the, 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 I think the tone was different this time. It wasn't I like agree. people were going crazy on Twitter and death-threatening people. It was just like, uh, I don't know, people were disappointing and kind of angry, and that, that was that. Yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of, this is the death of Blizzard shit. No mobile game is going to kill Blizzard. I got, I got no, no. Blizzard's <laughs> gonna Blizzard's sitting on a pile of cash. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. Um, that's as, as usual yeah, on overreaction. Day, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so, this is um, going to be the death of X. That's the whole internet in, in a nutshell. Like, I think that's caught us up, right? I mean, we're pretty current right now, right? December. Yeah, yeah, so now we're in the month of December, and as we know, nothing happens in the month of December. Nah, so we... that's pretty much all, all the gaming news that happened this year. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do now is we're going <laughs> to throw it on over to our wonderful Avocado community. They're going to tell us their top three games of the year, and then we're going to come back and talk about our top three games of the year. Yay. And the games we didn't like from this year. Uh, because there was some garbage this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's stay positive and let's throw it on over to the community for their top three games of the year. This is Guganya, and these are my top three games of 2018. 
Number three is Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. Well, I don't think it did anything spectacularly different. It was a well-put-together game. It looked great. The action was quick and smooth and never really felt extraordinarily difficult, but was still hard enough that there was some challenge to it. I'm not the kind of guy who likes uh, hard games, Dark Souls and all that's not my speed, so I like to be able to reasonably breeze through a game, and Spider-Man was right smack in the middle of just challenging enough that I sometimes died and had to start again, but not so hard that I would throw my controller across the room. Even though most of the game seems to be collecting things from all over the place, the fact that as the game progressed they add more and more collectibles meant that you never get bored of looking just for backpacks or just for those scientific experiments. Pretty good stuff. I had uh, a lot of fun with my time with it. But the problem was it was immediately followed by my number two game, which was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Going through that one, the world was enormous, absolutely huge, but the gameplay itself was fun. So even though it was pretty repetitive with not a whole lot of extra options going on as you're playing through it, it was just, it was dumb fun. I could pick it up, play a mission for 15, 20 minutes, put it down and pick it up later without feeling like I've lost a spot. Didn't quite drag me along, but it was beautiful to look at, and there was just enough variety and just enough reason to keep going after the various mercenaries and whatnot that, you know, good time was had. <clears throat> I didn't have to think too hard. The story was good if it wasn't great, but it all came together as probably one of the better Assassin's Creeds. I would say it's my fourth favorite Assassin's Creed after Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Origins, and probably around the level of one of the pyro ones. But my number one game overall, even if it wasn't the best gameplay, it was easily and far and away the most emotional and mentally satisfying game was Red Dead Redemption 2. The first one was the first game I'd played on console since I got one in 2010. I hadn't gone console free since... Oh, Nintendo 64? And so it had been a few years since I'd played anything significant, and that thing blew me away. So waiting eight years for Red Dead Redemption 2 was a crazy wait. But when I played it, it managed to meet or even surpass the original in so many ways. Uh, the music was amazing in particular. The details, the colors, the... The fact that the world wasn't all dust and grime and dirty. The fact that you were through a, a forests and snow and desert and swamp. And the variety of the, the areas without ever feeling like it was forced. But uh, knowing that not many people have actually finished the game, the crushing, heartbreaking ending. And then the next part of it, in the epilogue that was bittersweet and crushing and heartbreaking knowing that Red Dead 1 was going to happen later down the line and yet you still felt kind of good about it at the end until you remembered so I've been on and off since the end of the game alternately loving and hating how I feel about the end but you have to finish it yourself to figure out why that is alright that's Guganya signing out 
Hello, Gamescast. This is a show for reason. Brandon, my top three games this year were Hitman 2, Into the Breach, and Dead Cells. Hitman 2 is just more of the 2016 Hitman, but with some quality of life improvements, like you can now hide in tall grass. Actually, I think that's the main big one. You can hide in tall grass now, and you couldn't before, but it's useful. It makes a big difference on some of the levels, and honestly, just more levels was all it needed to be. The 2016 game was great. The new one, I love it. It's got that same core structure of replaying a level different ways to unlock new starting locations and weapons and then using those unlocks to plan better kills, however you may define that. And you can access the entire game from the beginning, which is a bit different from the episodic release. And I think it took me about two weeks before I even touched the last mission because I was just replaying the first two or three and the season one levels. Also, you can hit people with a fish, which... More games should let you commit fish violence. Uh, second up is Into the Breach, which is a weird combination of XCOM, FTL, and shoving small children into swimming pools. And, I don't know, it just, it scratched a lot of urges at once. I don't 100% that many games anymore, but I had to with this. Dead Cells, also a roguelike. Into the Breach being the other one, a roguelike Hitman would be entirely too much, and it's another game where you're given a set of tools at the start and the game trusts you enough to let you mostly figure out things on your own. It's kind of a theme throughout all three games. I like games that do that a lot. Great music and the credits at the end are procedurally generated and will never end, which amused me more than just about anything else. And special mentions go out to Dark Souls Remastered for being the best version of one of my favorite games, and Vampire for being a goth dialogue simulator. Hello there, Gamescast listeners. This is PT chiming in, and yes, insert Suikoden reference right there. So, truth be told, I didn't play a lot of new games in 2018. I'm just not interested in stuff like, say, Red Dead Redemption 2 or, well, God of War at full price. And also, stuff like Getting Praise, that's, you know, like Dead Cells, didn't really grab me all that much. I was like, eh, whatever. And additionally, a lot of games I enjoyed this year were either from last year or they were Switch ports of previous games. And yes, that means, hey, play the Diablo 3 port on Switch if you haven't already. It's great super great. So I'm going to start with two games that aren't quite Game of the Year potential, but I'm glad they exist. Now, first up is a collection in which many of the games themselves aren't really that great, but that's not really the point. Anyway, the folks over at Digital Eclipse have done great work with their previous retro collections, like Mega Man Legacy Collection and such, and I feel that the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection is their best work yet. Not only that, but it might be the best example yet of how to honor gaming history with compilations. And again, the games aren't blow away here. I mean, some of the games in SNK's early days are simplistic, repetitive, and they don't particularly hold up. But this is also a collection where you can play the NES Classic Crystallis, not to mention the arcade versions of all the Akari Warriors games. The options for how to play each game is they're it's honestly kind of remarkable. If you want to play the Japanese version of these games, you go right ahead. If you want to play the NES ports of stuff like Akari Warriors, and why the hell would you want to do that, quite honestly? Or POW, instead of their far superior arcade versions, you can do that as well. It, you know, for the sake of your sanity and all. There are so many small things here, including the ability to watch just watch a playthrough of each game, but just jump right into the action. Like, no questions asked. Like... You know, play a run of Crystallis and, oh, hey, okay, that's the place where I got stuck on. I'm just going to start here right now. Okay, good. 
And finally, the museum element of this collection is just outstanding. I mean, there's lots of rare artwork and sketches. There's some amusing arcade flyers. And all, all in all, just a ton of information about SNK and how they evolved as a company. I mean, you'd be surprised to know of their origins before they became just the Neo Geo people. Because I think most people think SNK, Neo Geo, etc. So anyhow, I recommend this collection not entirely for the games, but just how well it's been put together. I think it's a really good step. And another one before we start, but I want to clarify about, uh, that's Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. I mean, I'm glad these games, no matter how they're named, you know, the Wonder Boy, Monster World, there are entire stories and podcasts discussing that thing, the how that works. Uh, I'm glad these games continue to be made in some capacity. I mean, they're just charming, delightful romps that play incredibly well and are soul full of character. You can tell the developers of these games just pour their hearts and soul into them, and it's much appreciated. So yes, you can buy this, and buy also Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap, they're both on Nintendo Switch. Uh, they're both really great games. But, okay, anyway, so, uh, top three of 2018. Number three would be Smash Brothers Ultimate. Now, I've never been a Smash Brothers person. In fact, many of you on the Avocado, uh, they, you know I've been somewhat vocal about these, the Smash games, not being competitive fighting games. But actually purchasing this game and playing through its adventure mode, the World of Light mode... Uh, maybe you'll kind of get it, actually. I mean, the combat itself is kind of satisfying once you find the type of character that you really enjoy playing with. I mean, I'm kind of a hard uh, rush person. Like, a, so someone like Cloud is more best for me. And all in all, the nostalgia for these games are just through the roof. I mean, and I think nostalgia, I say that, I say nostalgia in a good way. Not just, oh, haha, reference right there. Remember how I referenced that thing? But... It's clear the developers of this this game and the Smash Smash games in general just absolutely love, appreciate the material in these games. I mean, you know, just the worlds and the characters and the, the really deep cuts and the remixes of the music. And I mean, of course, I just think this is a love letter to Nintendo and these general franchises. And you know what? That's worth it for me right there. Now... I really hope we do. Uh, we as a community start arranging some Smash games online using Nintendo Online because I'd like to play this more and more as I get tired of the single player content. So, number two would be well, Spider Man, the PS4 Spider Man. And I think what Insomniac did here was just a tremendous achievement when it comes to AAA gaming. I mean, Spider Man is definitely a, a AAA game with the usual trimmings, but I think there's a polish here that is not often seen in other blockbuster games. I mean, the traversal element is just, you know, fun to do. I mean, webbing, you know, going across the city, just, you know, zipping back and forth. It's just satisfying and just delightful. And the way movement links with the combat and with the many, many tools you have, that's great as well. I mean, it's really fun. And the thing that really gets to me, actually, is the plot is one of the better renditions of, well, like, you gotta get all the Spider-Man's villains together. You gotta get that rogues gallery into the game. I think it's the best, one of the best versions of that I've ever I've seen, where it's not like, oh, well, it was just bound to happen there. For example, I think most people know where the Doc Oak stuff is going. I mean, if you even have like a minor idea of what Spider-Man is and his, his villains, but I think it was still presented in an effective manner. Now, the DLC is also an example of how to expand the game correctly, or expand a game correctly, rather. I mean, the content has only been eh, middling to good. The first DLC was fine. Second one was not so great. 
currently working on the third one as of this recording. But I've enjoyed going back to the game and this world. And yeah, of course, I'm here for a sequel, which is kind of strange to say for a blockbuster title, right? And finally, I decided to pick a game of the year based on my general experience and not if I was immediately going to go back and play it again. And, well, then the idea of replaying a game as such as long as, say, Dragon Quest XI is, well, well, sadly, many of us are adults of limited time these days. So perhaps I'll play Dragon Quest XI only once. But I, I fell in love with this game. It was my favorite game of the year. And, I mean, long story short, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are two elements that counter one another, kind of a yin and yang approach. And they're both different things I equally enjoy. I mean, the progressive, often weird nonsense of the mainline Final Fantasy games these days, and the absolutely conservative comfort food level that is Dragon Quest. And Dragon Quest XI is honestly, hey, you know what, you like Dragon Quest VIII a lot. Let's do that again, but make the graphics even prettier, we have new characters and a new world, and, you know, all that stuff. And frankly, and yes, it is a very traditional Japanese RPG with the right flourishes of modern design. I mean, the characters are archetypes, but they're, they're likable. The story is simple, but it's engrossing. And I just really felt happy playing this game. It's a Dragon Quest game with a lot of the rough edges kind of filed off, especially if you've played a JRPG two or two in your life. And honestly, I well, it's, it's hard to say, but I honestly wonder if this is a really good way to introduce someone to the genre. It's it's simple, it's not... I mean, it's not, like, dead simple, but it's also not overwhelming, you could say. But yeah, that was my game of the year. Uh, Ray really enjoyed Dragon Quest uh, Eleven there. So that's what I got for you there. I mean, you can feel free to comment in the, the thread here, or, or me personally on the avocado. And now we return you to whatever nonsense Merv is talking about. I'm sure he brought up Yoku's Island Express or something. But anyway, have a good day. All right, thank you to our community for sharing with us their favorite games of 2018. Now it's our turn to talk about the games we liked in 2018. So let me ask you, talking to Mike, what were your top three games in 2018? Well, the, the Pitts voting actually let me think about the games because I realized I didn't have many bad games this year. And my best game, I think, had to go with Valkyra Chronicles 4 which I talked about a lot throughout uh, the last few months of playing it. But honestly, for what the series was at, after um, the less talked about, the better Valkyrie Revolutions. Oh, four was such oh a... yeah, I heard that game was really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really I think bad. I heard that from you. <laughs> and guess what? Valkyria Chronicles, Chronicles 2 was also pretty bad. Valkyrie Chronicles 2 is a very interesting situation where I'll avoid too much of a segue to say that it a, has a lot of improvements and one very awful holdback that stops it. I think this story the grind is system garbage. Is a good game. I think this story is garbage. Garbage fire, trash fire, garbage. It's an okay like, story. It's not great. No. Like oh my anime God, garbage, no. trash fire, or just it's like a, regular garbage It's a very anime story, I'll say yeah, that. It's the True. most anime story. Like, it's a very, like, stereotypical, very... Uh, flat. Oh, I live for that shit, though. Oh, yeah, you do. Because it I hurts mean, the children. I think that's, like, one of the lines. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, it's good for a laugh, but it's not serious in any way. Like, the first one was pretty good in some ways. Like, it was intense and had some good moments. Which uh, is where VC4 kind of goes back to that is It takes a lot of the, um, the gameplay improvements. doesn't go quite as far as 2 went with its gameplay improvements, which had a lot of really good stuff. 
but improves from the troublesome issues that one sometimes has where uh, it can be a very linear game and the grind can be really bad at one um, just because the skirmish missions don't give you the m- much XP or money to work with. Four improves a lot of the gameplay, gives you a lot of new stuff to do, and the missions themselves are such a huge improvement over what the series has seen so far, where they're dynamic, the battles and the uh, the level setup is actually really good for where you have to go and what you have to do. The story's okay. It's not as good as one, but it's better than two. Mm-hmm. Not the revolutions. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can write in five minutes a story better than Revolutions, and I can write it about how bad Revolutions' story is and how stupid it is, and I feel stupider for having played Revolutions. That's the... I feel stupider for having heard you talk about Revolutions. <laughs> um, so, so the VC4, uh, what else did you like from 2018? So Total War Thrones of Britannia, I know the last two years I've had Total War games on my top three list, and with Total War Three Kingdoms coming out next year, they're looking for a four-peat here, because I may be a sucker for this series. Thrones of Britannia... I'm getting that sense. <laughs> Thrones of Britannia, though, is kind of a, um, was a question mark when it was, came out, because it was marketed as a Total War saga. It was pointedly very small compared to the previous games, there's no special hero agents in the game at all. The building structures are there's far fewer of them. It's it's ninth century Britain, so you're in the Dark Ages. There isn't exactly much you're building anyways, but it works as a very good introduction into this series, as well as something that anybody who's a veteran can jump into and kind of just play through much quicker than previous games. So it's more like an arcade type thing, right? Arcade mode maybe? Um, a little bit. It's not quite that streamed down. I mean, what I'm saying quicker is it's still like, I'm trying to think what my playthrough of it was. It was still like 30 to 40 hours compared to like 50 hours to complete um, Total War Warhammer's uh, campaign. Yeah, Uh, I'm a Total War junkie as well. And I, I kind of, I'm interested in the war, the Warhammer stuff, but it feels a little, I I prefer the historical stuff just as like a a setting. I um, I thought you said I'm a, Total War Junkie and not Total War Junkie. <laughs> so, so Warhammer actually did a lot of interesting things with it Um, where they really worked with the lore of Warhammer. So it's a very fantasy game, but it works as both a Total War game and a Warhammer game with implementing the spell system in an interesting way and implementing all the different um buildings and unique structures. You get... Um, like the various faction capitals can build unique structures from the Warhammer fan lore, and it helps you do stuff too. And it also lets them take a lot of the series forward with them leveling systems, especially by Warhammer 2, where they'd improved a lot of the leveling and uh, experience systems for the heroes and the uh, the generals. So, uh, so by the time you get to Britannia, though, I mean, are you just like playing the battles and then like it's kind no, of minimizing? No, no, there's still, the... there's still, um, world building it's just like each town and city has an assigned designation of what it is like this is a farming village or this is a mining village and depending on what they're assigned depends on what structures you can build there so you can only build certain things in mining villages like smiths and whatnot and the cities you need certain um villages in the province in order to be able to build like a smith in that city so it's like streamlined but it's still yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're, yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to say. It's a little bit smaller in um, what the building queue is. And there's still not a whole wide variety like there has been in uh, past games. And, I mean, 
again, you're ninth century Britain, so most of the units are pretty similar to one another. Somebody may be using a spear versus somebody using an axe, but it's not like Rome where you had a Roman legionnaire versus, you know, a Celtic tribesman where the, the stat difference was massive. Gotcha, gotcha. So it works right. for pretty Sorry, much everybody of the series is something to like and throw into Britannia there. My third right. game was Battletech, which is a game I wasn't even expecting to buy this year. It totally took me by surprise by a... Uh, so what is Battletech? I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. So I believe it started actually in the 80s as like a tabletop game. I know there was like Mech Warrior is actually a spinoff of Battletech. So they had some old computer game knockoffs too. Where basically hmm. you're um, the leader of a mercenary company of giant mechs going around during a, an interstellar war serving one of the sides and fighting a bunch of other giant mechs. And that's Jeez. it. It's just robot on robot action? Like is it that's strategy? That's it. <laughs> It, it does I, have strategy, or is it like Mech Warrior? It, it's it's Mech Warrior and Mech Commander. I think spun out of BattleTech, where it's BattleTech. Yeah, they're, they're all connected. Yeah, BattleTech. I I haven't played one of these games in a long time. I'm sure people are going to call me out, but I I think that BattleTech is more about managing the like the <laughs> clan almost. Like so, there's like all these like individual clans who go out and they work kind of like as like freelancer companies to go solve problems. Right, you know, various companies hire them to do things, but Mech Warrior was more like you are that pilot, you know, doing that. Mech Commander is more like you're controlling your three or four mechs on the battlefield. I think that BattleTech denotes it's more of a strategy game, um, you know, like a turn based or yeah. something. So I think that's how they've traditionally used those um, those names for games. I don't know how true it holds. It's a still. paradox game, actually. Well, right. The reason paradox this, one published it, sorry. this one does play as a strategy game where it's, it's turn-based where you've got your four max fighting against your other max. And as a very interesting element where as the leader of a mercenary company, you've got your, the ship that you're upgrading throughout and you have to pay your pilots and train them. And then you have to pay upkeep on them. Cause you have to pay their monthly salaries. But yeah, the, the reason I know this is cause there's, there's like, a lot of like rights issues with this particular series, right? So like the mech commander, the mech warrior and the battle tech licenses are all kind of out there, right? Like, so I think the reason they were able to make a battle tech, but mech warrior and mech commander have been stuck in development hell forever is because the rights are so different. So I don't think you could make a first person mech game, but you can make a battle battle tech game. And that's what this is. Well, mech warrior five is in development though, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I've heard um, that for twenty don't years. Don't know about that commander, but so this is this is interesting. It looks like a cross. It looks like kind of XCOMish almost. Yeah, it looks like well, how you manage a little bit. Yeah, because like your pilots can get permanently killed. Um, if your their mechs get destroyed in combat, they can get wounded, possibly killed, and it's really annoying when a veteran pilot gets killed. Um, I may have restarted a few dozen times, save some submissions <laughs> just because I like my starting four. Um, <laughs> But oh, you can big... save scum, though, right? <laughs> yeah, a little. Thankfully, you can save scum <laughs> in the middle of combat because there's a, there's definitely a couple story missions which um, a mm, little brutal at times if you're not prepared <laughs> for them. So, I did like the uh, the mercenary company elements of it. It adds a lot of character when you're trying to upgrade your ship. They give you stuff like um, various crew members give you suggestions on why you should upgrade one thing versus another at the time, and it helps. Yeah you get the feel that you're, you know, the leader of these people and that they're actual people, especially when the, uh, the sole argument for building the zero G pool is it's a zero G pool. What more do we need to say? Cause <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's that it's kind of got 
like it, it takes off the stuffy trappings of these kinds of games where usually like oh some government official who's defending against some alien threat or something. I like that it's kind of scrappy. It right, and it does that not just with the um the upgrades, but also you get various um uh, dilemmas for lack of a better term, where it's like you know something happens and you have to make a choice about it. It's like you run into some pirates, do you pay them off, or do you try and fight them, or do you run away? Um, Sometimes if you have upgrades, like certain relations with the uh, the planetary governors that you're in, you can call on them for help for some of the dilemmas. That's cool. Sometimes oh, you find your crew skinny dipping like in the energy pool at night and you have to decide whether or not you should ban it or just ignore it. <laughs> I, I say whatever shenanigans go down in the zero-G pool, you just let them happen. <laughs> That's what I did, and you know it boosted morale for the whole company, so hey. <laughs> yeah, let those robots go to town on each other. Um, wait, do they fit in the pool, or is it like the pilots who... You know what? I don't know why I'm asking this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this seems like a really interesting game. I, I th- I've been trying to get like back into strategy games, because I bounced pretty hard off XCOM, so this looks like something that would be up my alley. Yeah, it's really good as kind of a little smaller of a strategy because you only have four pilots. It does get a little annoying sometimes because you can fight, you know, seven, eight enemies at once. And in that case, they're kind of ganging up on you the way the initiative order works. And it feels a little unfair in that regard. By the end, though, when you get the super heavy suits, it kind of balances out because you can kill a lot of those smaller suits in like one shot. (laughs) Okay, so it's a little bit like... um... You know what it reminds me of, like a, like a like a tactical strategy game where you have a very small team. This is gonna sound really stupid. It reminds me a little bit of like Mario plus Rapids. Yeah, like that, a... that, everybody says that game was surprisingly deep as far as the the strategic part of it. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly deep, and you're commanding essentially a very small number of units, and you could be potentially fighting a lot more at once. Um. So again, it's probably very dissimilar, but I like the idea. I like the idea of managing like a small number of units. And yeah, fighting, same thing. Um, then strategizing deeply on that small number of units versus strategizing very shallowly on a large number of units. But I don't know. That's just my preference. Mm. Yeah. So seems like a, a good batch of games, Mike. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, Kappa. Where are your favorite games of the year? Oh boy. I've been worried about talking about this. Number one, well, number three, uh, Destiny Forsaken. I know you guys are sick of me talking. I don't care. It's <laughs> such a fucking good game. The expansion is so good. It's just been, what they've been doing is kind of a drip of content rather than just giant expansions and DLCs. They've been getting the lore put together in a much more coherent way. The core gameplay is still there. It's still amazing for what it is. Um, it's it's such a good game. I, I, I'm so happy with where it is, and I'm hoping that they learn a lot of these lessons and don't start over from scratch with Destiny 3, where they have to prove the community all over again. They know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I can't... I, I'm really surprised with where it is and, and liking where it's ended up. Um, yeah, <laughs> Destiny, of course. So I, I counted Forsaken as all... You know, it's basically a, a new year, new season, new everything else. That's why I'm... Yeah, new, that. like, expansion. Yeah, yeah. Um, my... My second one is Odyssey. Um, I know last year my origin was my game of year last year. So this feels kind of like if I I, I really tore myself up between saying Odyssey and origin again between these two. But Odyssey is just such a a pure RPG. 
I've tried to really tell people who say, oh, I don't like Assassin's Creed games. Like, this is the part where you can jump back in because you were playing a historical RPG at this point. Uh, there's numbers. There's things that go up and down. There's stats. There's skills. There's armor and weapons that, you know. There's romance. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> romance. Everything you'd want yeah. in a traditional RPG is right back into it. Um, gorgeous to look at. The there's writing. romance and there's romance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's I'm just going to fuck you now. Then there's I want to fall in love with you. And the game does both very liberally. Um, Cassandra's really well written, a really good character, really interesting. You know, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, it's hard to to get these dual protagonists right because you can play either as a male or, or female uh, protagonist. I haven't heard anyone talking about the male protagonist this time it's around. interesting What's his name because, alexios yeah it's I interesting think? because almost everybody on on the avocado plays as cassandra whereas i think they just said that two out of three people play as the male one but i mean either way the writing for her is fantastic i mean just kind of like if it's a throwback to the Ezio style of you know i'm here to solve people's problems and if they annoy me they're gonna i'm gonna let them know they're annoying me i'm not like I don't know if you guys how much he stuck with the series, but like Connor was almost too good to a fault, like to, to the point where he was boring, you know. Um, and then I it, never made it past Brotherhood. Sorry. Yeah, and then you start yeah, but kind of, yeah, I heard it, a lot of bad things about the third, third game. Yeah, so this is this is a very I think Origin was a half step into a full RPG, and Odyssey is a full on. We are not the Assassin Creed games you remember playing. I mean, yes, there's still stealth assassinations and stuff, but. You can't assassinate everybody if your assassination skill isn't high enough. You just basically do a good amount of damage to the guy, but nope, it's still fight time if your skill isn't there. And um, I, I think it's a smart direction to take the series. It makes it feel like its own thing. Um, and it, it's. Yeah, a separate thing from. Like, Ubisoft had sort of homogenized a lot of their games. Yes. And I feel like now they're kind of branching off into their own things. And Ubisoft doesn't really do pure RPG. If you look around, a lot of their stuff isn't, you know, pure RPG. This one feels like they're doing something that you would normally think like a Bioware or somebody would do. You know, like, Mm. it's a very pure RPG. It's numbers, it's figures, it's relationships. There's party members, kind of, um, on your ship. They'll have different reactions. You can take them along with you. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that <coughs> if, if you know you can convince people to try it again if they've given up after Syndicate or Unity or Three or even you know people who fell you know off during Brotherhood or whatever. I think now's the time to do it because <coughs> what you're getting um, isn't isn't an assassiny game. Is it's a straight up historical RPG that they do an amazing job with world world building and writing and characters that, you know, if you just like that genre, you should try give it a shot. So one question, do you need to play origins before playing Odyssey? No, there's still the framing device of the modern day, but it, they've become more and more compact so that there's not an overarching story anymore. Mm. Um, unless you I know really... some people really liked it, but I didn't never cared for it. Like for the anime stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm the one guy who likes the end. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, I'm that guy. It's very <laughs> unobtrusive now. Like you can play hours of this game without ever having to step out of the animus. It's not like it was where it was like every 20 minutes it's like, okay, get out of the animus. Time to you know, like I, I can't remember the last time I've gotten out of the animus in my Odyssey game to uh, to, to go to the real world. But you always can. So like it's like to, to Murph's point, if you want to like stop. There's those emails that kind of go back and forth, and it's like, oh, hey, here's what's going on in the real world as reflected to what you saw in the game world, you know? So you're subtly 
advancing that story in a way um, that if you want to follow it, you still can. So I would say if you want the story, it's there. If you don't want it, it you literally got to go look for it. So it's not something that's going to get in your way of playing um, if you're not feeling it. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really love what they've done with the game world. I'm not 100% finished, but they're adding new stuff every single week, you know. And some of it's small, some of it's big. So a lot like Destiny, I feel like there's a lot of content drips that keep the game, you know, interesting and fresh. And you know, it's not just DLC stuff; it's a lot of free stuff, like go fight this god or go explore this underwater layer or stuff like that. That I'm really enjoying. Um, yeah, that content drip feed that some games have started doing, I feel actually helps maintain my interest yeah like it worked very well for mario tennis aces this year um and you know it helps it helps me and in, keep invested especially when you know i could just put the game down and, st- and move on to something else and i, I think it, i think odyssey in particular has learned some of its lessons from origin where the content's not time gated anymore so once they add it it's there you can always just go do it um like a lot of the stuff they were doing before was like okay well this weekend only go fight Poseidon you know they're still doing some of that you know to try to like have like big XP weekends or stuff like that but for the most part what they're really doing is just letting you play and then you know come back and do certain things um so yeah that was my number two my number one is Red Dead Redemption and this is in all the years I've been no, not two. Um, RDR2. Yeah. Dang it. In, in all the years I've been picking Game of the Years, this is probably like, if I could describe it as like my least favorite Game of the Year, that's exactly how I would describe oh, it. Oh, like, man. That's like it's a huge burn. It's a very, very good game. It's technically it like is. almost perfect. There's lots of good story and writing and stuff going on, but like, there's something about it where like 20 minutes into it, I just want to turn it the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the same thing. I'm the same way. Exactly. What is that? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like, okay. It's, I'll just go. I, I feel very tired playing it. I, yeah. I, I don't know why. Then how did it end up your number one? Uh, so here's the thing. Like, I think in this case, I'm respecting it more than my other three because Destiny's an expansion, right? And I, I'm already predisposed to love it. Odyssey feels like, you know, it took what my game of the year last year did origin did and kind of iterated on it but in a really good way that i really enjoy god of war left me cold uh, i know that was i mean on my avocado list that was my number four but it left me very cold in a way that like i had to force myself to finish it and for all the bullshit about how great it is with your son and stuff it feels very forced to me um i didn't feel a lot of the moments that people say oh well this moment was so amazing i just didn't really have that connection in a lot of ways um I don't know. I mean, like, so out of all these games, they all had, they all were either expansions, sequels, or, you know, Red Dead, I think, does the most with a game I've seen in a long time. And it can be a fun world just to go get lost in and hunt bears and fish and stuff like that. But I have to force myself to go play the next story mission because you know it's like, as formulaic as Rockstar is, you think they would stop being so formulaic with the story. Everybody knows where the story's going, what, oh, yeah. halfway into it, you know? Mm, and yeah. you just see it. You see all the signposts up ahead. <laughs> it's a kind of game where there's no choice. It's on rails. So, I, you know, do I want to, you know, stop having all these fun times fishing and hunting bears, doing all this stuff with these people and instead go advance the story that I really don't feel like playing, you know? So I, I I don't know. Every time I boot it up, it's just like I sit there in my chair, I grab a, you know, a beer and I'm ready to play it and I get 30 minutes into it. I'm like, "Eh, let's go see what the fuck's going on in Destiny. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's also the controls, I think. Some of it feels kind of antiquated. Yeah. Yep. And you fight the controls for huge parts of it. 
And so like, I'm talking about this game like it's not my game of the year, but it weirdly is. I, like with all these things, I still feel compelled to, to just get on. But like the best way I could describe it is that I play Red Dead almost like it's like an MMO, right? Like I, I don't even care what's going on with, with, with Dutch and the gang or whatever. I log in, I do whatever bear stuff or go buy guns or go rob people or do whatever I'm going to do. And then I log off and the story may or well not even exist for me at this point. I'll eventually finish it. Don't get me wrong, you know, but I, I'm playing this game like a, like a free world open MMO where I go yeah. do what I want and I have a great time while I'm doing it. But as far as the story in the game itself, I, I, I see where it's coming a mile away. And I'm not even saying like I've been spoiled. Like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Dutch is an asshole. It's all right there in the writing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, like the best way I can describe it is it's like, I was the least convinced I've been in a long time writing this. Game of the year, <laughs> it's not a bad game. I, I really think that just for the splendor, you know, for the technical masterpiece that it is, I think everybody should give it a shot, but um, you know, don't let it being my game of the year, you know, come off as some ringing endorsement. Uh, there's a lot of other ones where I'd probably say, well, are you into this first before you really get into that, uh, into mm-hmm. what Red Dead was? Hmm. Huh. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty comprehensive list kind of hit, um, kind of hit the, the, the big guns of the year, yeah. I'd, I'd say. Um, compared to, I think, what's up? Well, uh, at least my I don't, like, Google be. half a year. <laughs> yeah. This isn't even a game. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Science, what, what were your favorite games of the year? Oh, well, okay. Um, well, number three, we're going three to one, of course. It's the most exciting. Uh, number three, uh, Return of the Obra Din. Um, oh, yeah, that game that looks like it was built on a pc from 1993 uh, yeah yeah it looks um it, it has like the, the kind of people are there screaming at like you know like um what uh, ma- dot matrix like kind of style like it looks um I, I, okay the whole game looks like as if you were taking a picture with uh, your game boy camera the original game boy uh camera that was uh i don't know if you ever had one but it had I a think camera. I was a little young for that one. <laughs> okay, so uh, it looked. I'm I, I just like beyond the age for it. Okay, so it. it uh, but you know the original Game Boy graphics. It was like a, a weird oh, yeah. uh, greenish hue. Like you can make it greenish hue in this game, but either way, like the um, the whole game looks kind of like um, a very strange black and white monochromatic look. That kind of the shadows are just kind of like. Everything is uh, uh, um, colored in by dots, not by like hard shadows, but like everything yeah. is like dotted in. I've I've seen the screenshots. Yeah, I it's know very it looks difficult like. to it's... describe, uh, but it's, it's very cool. I, I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah. Also, the music is fantastic. It's like <laughs> it's it's very like um, appropriate for the era of what of 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 uh, of the plot because the, the, it, it's the, the game is uh, happening in eighteen oh nine I think or eighteen oh six or something like that and um, uh, and the music is fantastic it's like dun, 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 dun. it's like you are you are sailing it's great and uh, the game is about uh, basically this ship Delbra Din has disappeared for a couple of years and nobody has heard about it. Uh, and then it kind of comes back and all of its crew is missing and only a couple of dead bodies are found aboard and their skeletons. 
Um, and you are tasked with finding out what happened, and you have this magic item that uh, gets you uh, this ability to enter the last couple of seconds of somebody's life. Like when you find a body, you can kind of uh, touch it with this uh, device that looks kind of like a compass. Um, and it just kind of transports you into the last seconds of that person's life, which is always kind of like a couple of seconds of audio recording uh, during a black screen, which is uh, stylishly done because the subtitles are like displayed in the middle of this screen and the uh, Foley work is amazing. Also, the voice acting is pretty great. Uh, all of them are like hardened. Uh, it sounds like, a, like pushing daisies the video game. Yeah, it, it also sounds like, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but Cryostasis, it came out in 2009. It was the very same concept. An old abandoned ship and uh, you go into it and uh, you, a bunch of dead bodies and when you touch them, you kind of like go into the last seconds of their life. But this is way better made. Okay, or um, almost like... This is going to be a really weird reference. It's almost like Hate Plus. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, anyway, it's, uh, like, uh, it's very well done. I haven't thought about that game in a long time. So. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody remembers Christine Love games, um, although they're actually very good. Yeah, I, I remember Plus, yeah. Um, anyway, it's, it's very well done. Uh, it's basically like... Um, a deduction Sudoku, so uh, or like Picross deduction, because you get like a, a, the element that you have to figure out each of the sixty-person crew. You have to figure out their name, uh, their way, the way they died, and who killed them. Those are the three information you have to put in into their like file. And every person on this board is like you can get into their final memories, or most of them actually. Uh, and you can kind of figure out everyone else by the process of elimination. And okay. uh, yeah, and you also figure out some of them like, oh, it's obvious how they died, but you don't know who killed them because it's not clear. And also sometimes it's like... You have to deduce. Yeah, and sometimes... I'm not sure how this guy died, but I think he was like stabbed because in the other memory, I saw this guy like plunging a knife <laughs> to his back. And like, I, I, like, you have to cross-reference a couple of memories, and it's really cool. It's, it's so you're doing this with like, like a scratch. Clue. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very cool. Uh, if you like like deduction and like playing, uh, you know, uh, detective, you you will love this game because it's it doesn't hold your hand at all. You just kind of like it's all up to you. You have to really. Um, be good at what you've done. And the one thing it's it, what it does uh, well is like it doesn't tell you if you, uh, you your guess was correct. It tells you after three correct guesses that you had three correct guesses. So you can't just like, sh you know, guess like, oh, uh, I'm going to guess he did this and uh, this guy killed him. You can't just do trial and error. Yeah, because it just won't won't. Uh, won't just won't tell, tell you, you yeah you it won't won't tell you at at uh, you know uh, the, the the second you do it uh, just going to tell you after three correct guesses you're like oh you guessed three guys correctly I'm going to give you three uh, like three notches on this on this thing that 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 keeps your progress so yeah that's a fantastic game if you if you if you if you like like deduction you definitely from the same guy who made papers please right yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Also, yeah, very interesting. Let me ask you something a little weird. Um, like physically, how how did it feel to play the game? Like, was it, like I've heard a lot of people like play it, like kind of like feeling sick or like their eyes hurt and stuff like that. No, no, not at all. It's okay. it absolutely <laughs> doesn't affect me that way. I, I I think that like it's sometimes very stunning. 
I think like it had one of the best I think the best moment of the year in a game for me at one point I'm going to spoil it for you but one time where the screen goes because the you know when you enter somebody's dead body uh, that sounds gross but you know what I mean uh, the screen is black and you have the folly work of the couple of last seconds and then screen comes out out of the uh, out of black and you get to see uh, like their last second of life on a pause screen like everything is paused that's Everyone's really cool like, yeah and some and you can walk around the scene and you can like kind of basically most of the deduction comes up comes out of like uh, walking around this paused scene where you can just kind of see who shots who and what happened and one of the times it happens it's just like a really shocking moment of what's happening and it was like holy shit um so yeah definitely give it a shot it's uh it's uh, it's it's definitely one of the most unique games i've played in a long while yeah yeah that sounds really radar, cool. for sure yeah um so what was your number two yeah my number two is uh florence uh a game for ios and android that came out in february this year i think uh, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's a, it's a small little game, don't, tiny game. Um, it takes about like 20 to 30 minutes to play through it. It doesn't cost a lot. It last costs like a two, three bucks to uh, get it on Android slash iOS. Um, it's it's tough to describe. It's like a visual novel, but without any of nobody speaks any words ever. It just all uh, the story is presented all through these like little tasks that you do um, uh, on your phone. Like um, oh, it's so difficult to, to describe. Uh, basically, sometimes okay. So I'm going to describe one scene. Uh, <laughs> you are Florence, and you are have a boyfriend that you just recently started dating, and you kind of it by uh, the, okay. So you have a first fight with him, and um, you have to keep like mm, connecting these little puzzle pieces of uh like uh dialogue bubbles that you oh, shoot it's very difficult to explain <laughs> uh, like um I, okay so um oh boy uh you have like uh puzzles that you have to like complete in order to win the argument with this boyfriend so you kind of like um piece together these word bubbles it doesn't there's no words in those that bubbles you just kind of piece together the shapes and you kind of like have to keep doing that faster than they can and you kind of win the argument and that's one example of the like a puzzle in a game there's also like how oh, a bunch of like <laughs> tiny little things that you do it's it's Okay, so most of it is very intuitive, and it's like what you would see in other games, like very tiny little bits and pieces. Like you, sometimes you just kind of like uh, tap on things, to like uh, complete tasks. Like oh, you have to clean your room, and you tap on your shoes to you know get those shoes in your cupboard, and uh, or like oh, you're moving into somebody, and you kind of just like swipe things onto. Uh, drawers and and other stuff you know it's it's difficult to explain exactly but i think i'm maybe making sense what i'm saying this right <laughs> can you get it i, I will it's say very... the, the wikipedia page for it actually shows a picture of some of the puzzles so it yeah. makes sense uh 
and you can actually see the puzzle what it's what's going on yeah it's one of those things like catherine for like you can't explain it until you've seen it like no so you're climbing a mountain a pillow (laughs) (laughs) it's very difficult but the thing about uh about florence is is a it's it's a story that's like presented without any words in it like there's one sentence i think or two sentences in the whole story um and it's it's all presented in a sometimes the all of the puzzles, all of the little tasks that you do are like representative of what's happening in the game, right? So either your emotions or what you or what Florence is thinking about. Uh, sometimes they're very abstract in a way to show you how her relationship with this guy is going. And it's very clever in that like it it really uh, subconsciously tries to like show you by way of you doing these tasks, these little puzzles of her like um, feeling towards her relationship or or whatever she's feeling right now. So like when you're so like trying, it's almost like a a collection of mini games that you're doing that kind of mirror yeah, but her mirror her, her yeah development exactly. And like it's not only that; it's like even the little bit simple tasks like you, your boyfriend is basically like a kind of an, a good artist artist like he plays music on a on i think the the uh, viola or something the and cello, he is looks like oh yeah cello there you go and he doesn't really want to go through with like applying to school and in one of the puzzles you got just kind of uh like really uh it's a a, a weird uh, strength concept where you're just like tapping the screen to push him into applying the uh, to to the music school and, um, and and things get more complicated like uh, you know when uh, when the uh, relationship is going well the puzzles are very easy about when the relationship is going badly the puzzle gets harder and harder and uh, sometimes it, they're, they're almost impossible to finish. And it's like, sometimes it's frustrating deliberately. Like when you're frustrated with it, with your uh, boyfriend, it's like, ah, oh, it's very frustrating to like uh, keep the uh, keep the puzzles like from sliding away or something. You know, those games and, must be really hard to make because there's yeah, so many of these like games now where like a whole game is designed around like a bunch of mini games that if they don't work, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got a cool story there that people might never see if they can't nail these mini games, you know. Yeah, and, and they're very intuitive. I was trying to say about that in a bit. Yeah. yeah, and they're very intuitive. It's not like a mini game collection. It's it, mm-hmm. it feels different. It like has these um, through lines in this in these puzzles that kind of like connect certain emotions and feelings throughout the story, and like it, it like has a set up setup and a payoff with each puzzle almost feels like and it's very intelligent in what it, what it does and so there's only one frustrating puzzle in the game and it's deliberately frustrating as i as i said um it's it's very cool and i it's one of those games that you can show to a person that doesn't play games at all and it's very intuitive because it's all sliding based like pick up how to do it yeah basically yeah and and the story is very nice and affecting and and emotional and you as, as I said twenty minutes and you're done with it and <laughs> and it stays with you. It, I I still think about some of the things that happen in it. Uh, it's it's very good. It's I it's very hard to describe this game, but if you have like three bucks and like want to like see a very cool experimental uh, game that does like cool things with narrative and gameplay, uh, you, you, you gotta yeah, see this game. I'll... 
check it out once I upgrade my iPhone before you actually be able to run it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was like, so what was, your, very what was your number one game? Yeah, that one was very difficult to explain. Uh, my number one game will be much simpler because it's uh, Celeste. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that game. Yeah, it's it's a very good game about like a platformer, like a kind of a massacre platformer, if, you, if you're familiar with that term. But um, it's, it's a little bit like when it comes to gameplay, a little bit like Super Meat Boy, but way less intense. Um, but it has like <laughs> little elements, uh, little element, little, like trial rooms where you ha- have to like uh, figure out the puzzle solution. Like to, it's a basically a jumping puzzle, right? So uh, you gotta have to wall bounce here and then you know dash, air dash there, and and you collect the uh, collecting thing. Looks. Almost guacamelee yeah, in the way it's set up. Yeah, it's very pretty, and it's, the game is about like climbing this mountain. You're uh, you're this main character that wants to climb this mountain, and the game is basically about like anxiety and like feeling of um, of distress and like kind of depression, and it's very well written uh, for a game like a a platformer that doesn't look like it's based. It's 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 into like it's about like. Um, yeah, you know, it's it doesn't look like it's well written. It doesn't look like it. There's a lot of uh, story to it, but the plot is very interesting. Like the characters are enduring, and it's all. I I would I would say that it's um, one of the better written characters uh, when it comes to like anxiety and depression that I've seen in video games in a long, long time, maybe ever. Um, it's something that can. That can occasionally feel a bit exploitative. Yeah. So I'm but, glad they've managed to do it yeah, well absolutely here. Yeah, absolutely doesn't feel exploitative. exploitative. It, it doesn't absolutely, it feels like a very personal story. Like whoever made this game like definitely has the same problems, definitely deals with them. And, and it's a story also like about handling this, these problems. And it's a very ma- written in a very, like, it feels very like affecting, affecting way. and it very feels like, very much feels like something that you definitely can do. Like, it, you, you know, I'm not saying it's going to cure your anxiety or anything, but it definitely feels like something that someone describes how they uh, live with anxiety and how they are able to, uh, to you know, to cope to cope with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's very, yeah, ex- excellent, excellent game. Uh, the, the gameplay is also very snappy, very very um, responsive and addictive gameplay. But and I kind of screwed up my wrist playing it because it's <laughs> sometimes and <laughs> I played it uh, like uh, like for hours and hours over one weekend and and I couldn't move my hand for like two weeks afterwards. I might so. have to give this game a try. I this might sound crazy, guys, but I've kind of burned myself out on indie platformers. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. This was, oh, yeah. You know I, what I mean? I got like, that feeling this year. It's, it was like Braid, and then there's like, yeah. it's been like a nonstop avalanche of yeah. <laughs> sort of games. And I'm just, yeah, I yeah. The problem I, is, some of them are good, and some of them are just. This yeah, is so I, I have to wait for like overwhelming, like, like yeah. what you guys are doing right now. Like, okay, this is one of the ones that are worth it. Cause so many of the other ones are just like, I, I, I get into it, I'm like, I don't know, but yeah. this sounds like re- like a really interesting game. You had me once you said about how the controls are responsive, because that's one of my biggest complaints about oh, those yeah. kind of games. Oh, yeah, it's 
it's very snappy. It's very like you feel very good playing this game. Like it, it's 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 very <laughs> uh, as I said, like uh, a little bit super meat boyish, but less slidey. Uh, I always felt like super meat boy was a little bit too slidey, uh, and this is like precise, very very precise platforming. Yeah, and, uh, that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's excellent. And, okay, so yeah, I guess those are your your top three games of the year. Yeah, um, I should probably mention what mine are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Glocking in at number three is this game called Quarantine Circular, which is the quasi-sequel to an earlier game called Subsurface Circular. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike Bethel is the guy who made Thomas Was Alone. <laughs> then he made a follow-up called, well, a follow-up, another game called Volume. Mm. And then he started making these really short narrative adventures with branching narrative. Uh, the first being Subsurface Circular, second set in the same world, but not really a sequel, uh, was Quarantine Circular. Um, it's an interesting game. It's, you know, there's no voice or anything. It's, nothing's voice. It's all text dialogue. Uh, but, you know, the, the events are kind of animated in, in front of you. Um, it's, it's a little bit difficult to, to describe, but let's just say it does the whole idea of branching narrative very well. Also makes very good use of multiple perspectives. So each chapter of the game you play through as a different character. Sometimes you'll end up playing sort of two sides of, of the same conversation. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting setup. I don't really want to spoil the plot. All I'll say is that it takes place in the future and there are robots and aliens. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> Robots and aliens. Are there robot aliens, aliens or alien robots? Or... <laughs> robots. Maybe. Maybe. Ah! From, uh, I'm going to say, like, from all of the, the, from the three games you listed on your top three, this is the one that I just never heard of. Like, two, the two other I, I've, I've heard of, but this one, I, I first time I've heard about it. Uh, Burb's always good for that. He always find, learn some, his end of yeah. your list, some deep dive into some there's browser always some games. bizarre or, shit yeah. on my year end list I, I, I did um, see like the uh, the logo quant, uh, quant, quarantine circular I saw that those two yellow triangles I think on Steam like Steam yeah. like did try to push this game on me one time and I, I'm always ignoring Steam so sorry <laughs> quarantine circular I was just like well it's by the same guy I made Thomas was alone oh, so cool. you know it's quality oh yeah. fantastic it's, pedigree. Oh. it's also available on Switch now if you want to play it on the go neat um, yeah, so again, I don't want to spoil very much of it, also because I don't remember it super well. Um, but uh, I would recommend if you're into these sort of interactive narrative adventures, mm. uh, I'd highly recommend it. Definitely, we'll check it out. All right, number two on the list is a game called Chucho. Yeah, Chucho. Love it. Chucho. Yeah. Yeah, so this is an interesting game because it comes from Amanita Design. Of those guys. Folks who made Samarost and uh, Botanicula. And if I'm being blunt, I was not a huge fan of their earlier work. Oh, really? Botanicula is so good, though. I, I would say it's a little bit obtuse. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But it's less um, obtuse than their earlier games, which are even more obtuse. <laughs> obtuse. Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, what I will say that I really like about, okay, so I, sh I should clarify, um, Amanita Design specializes in adventure games with very sort of quirky, um, animation. It doesn't feel like you're, you're playing a video game. It feels like you're 
you're kind of clicking through an animated film. It's hard to describe. Yeah. It's um, it's not harder to describe than I I was describing Florence because I still feel really bad about that. <laughs> yeah. So what what I will say is that their previous games sort of have these very fiendishly difficult, very huge puzzles. And Tuchel takes all the, the quirky animation and the goofy humor that um, Amanita is known for. And instead of making these gigantic, really complicated adventure game, like really obtuse, opaque adventure game puzzles, it just splits everything into these bite-sized challenges. So these single screen or double screen puzzles that are fairly simple to solve, though they, they do have some that are a little bit tricky. Um, and... It just rewards you instantly. So you solve a puzzle and then you're rewarded with a really funny sequence. So the feedback loop of, of playing through the game is really nice. And they kind of vary it up with not just these point and click adventures, but then they also start throwing in weird other mini games that are references to things like Breakout and, and like 2D platformers. So they, they've really kind of varied things up. Um, I would say also if you have kids, probably a good game to play with them. Yeah. Also, and say say something about the audio design because that's the best thing about these games. Like all. Of oh the... yeah, the audio. There's a lot of ahs <laughs> and ahs. All of like the that. sounds are basically made with like mouth sounds, like all of these. Yeah, sounds it's basically they... humans making funny sound yeah. effects. I love it. Um, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Amanita has definitely carved themselves a little quirky niche. I mean, haven't they? Like, I mean, yeah, they they've, they've been doing stuff for a while now. I, I I think the first one I played from them had to have been, uh, was it, uh, uh, Machinarium? Right? That was yeah. them. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was them. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that was them. That's still, I think maybe their best game. But I'm not saying anything bad about Botanicula, but or or Chuchel, but uh, Machinarium definitely was like a more of a adventure game game, and this is yeah. more a storybook. Yeah. yeah, it's still all of them very good. Still, pretty good, very very good, all of them. Yeah, it's they definitely. What's your number sorry, one? Yeah, they definitely know what they're what they what they do well, and they do it very well. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that brings me to my number one game of the year, which I, I thought I'd end up liking, but I didn't think it would end up working as well as it did. It's a game called Yoku's Island Express. Mm-hmm. And it's... This is going to sound really weird for those of you who haven't heard of it. It's a pinball Metroidvania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, that overplayed genre. <laughs> Another one? Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so the way it works is that instead of having a jump button, you can move left or right, and when you need to elevate yourself, you have to find a flipper and activate that flipper to kind of flip you up to another platform. Um, so that's how they do the exploration in the game, is you you use pinball elements to move you through... Um, the levels and then every few screens or so you'll run into sort of a pinball table challenge where you have to hit certain items on the table to activate certain um you know levers or doodads or lights and that'll clear up open a path so you can get to the next part of the level um very clever the way they've designed this 
um, in that, you know, try to try to figure out what mobility looks like when you don't have a jump button, yeah. but you still want to have platforming elements is, is really tricky. Mm-hmm. But um, the people at Via Gorilla, the, the studio that made this, did a really good job of it. Um, I should also point out that it's got this very almost hand-painted art style. It's like a slightly quirkier version of Ori and the Blind Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they've done the art, it's really, really beautiful. Cool. Um, so, if you're all, if the idea of a pinball, me- pinball Metroidvania at all appeals to you in any way, I would recommend giving it a go. Okay. Sounds great. And the best thing that could be said about Yoko's is it takes like less than ten hours to beat. It's a fast game. So, yeah. if you're uncertain about it, you're not committing a lot of time to it either. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're on the fence, it doesn't take very long to get through, uh, as, as Mike says. So I would, I would definitely give it. And also, it's on sale right now on Steam, fifty percent oh, off. It probably won't be on sale. It by the time this comes out. It definitely won't. It definitely, definitely won't. But it's on sale when we're recording this. So, no, but you know, it's frequently. Go back time I, like, like it's frequently on sale. I saw it on sale a couple of times, so you, you'll probably, oh. you'll probably. Oh yeah, I, I've seen BattleTech on sale a bunch too. Uh, by the yeah. way. From mm-hmm. uh, from the early recommendation, that one's pretty mm-hmm. reasonably on sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw like uh, I saw Celeste on sale on Switch. I think it's a great Switch game. Also, like if you have a Switch, oh, nice. Yeah. And Yoku's also available for Switch oh, if yeah. you want to play it on the go. Hell yeah! All right, so that's our best games of the year. Now let's talk about our, uh, the less good games of the year. <laughs> The worst game. I'm calling them my disappointments. I'm not going all horse, but I'm just. Oh, I'm going for worse. The games that just couldn't. Yeah, the games that just weren't all there. Yeah. Um. So Kappa, you you seem like you're eager to talk about disappointments. This is my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) All right. So, again, I'm I'm sticking with disappointment. I'm not going full on worst, but let's go with my number three biggest disappointment is Sea of Thieves. Um. Oh my God! You have three. Biggest disappointment? Yeah, that's God. a lot. That's more than I do. Well, you yeah. better get ready, buckle in, because I think one of them you guys are probably going to really disagree with me, and then everybody else is going to agree with the other one. But man, Sea of Thieves, guys, it, it, this was like Rare's return to form. You know, here they are, big major. They had all the time in the world to to do what they wanted with it, and they basically come out the gates with what would probably have been a pretty sparse beta. Um, I, I was so into this game, I went to the midnight launch for it. Um, my kid won a whole bunch of stuff because he dressed like a pirate. We had a really good time, and then we went to go play it at the Microsoft Store, and the servers were down, and they stayed down uh, the entire first day. <laughs> the servers never came nice. back up. Uh, so good launch. Um, the game itself, I mean, it's one of those games where you create your own content, right? And in the beginning, the content that was being created was really just trolling people i mean it was just basically fucking around with each other and not really getting anything done um i luckily found a good crew of people we started to have a little bit more fun then it was just glitches after glitches after glitches we would grind and find out that there was no real point to the grind which is okay for most games right um but this game had no reason to keep playing which is a problem for a game that wants you to keep playing because it's a multiplayer game right 
Um, so the seas started getting more and more depopulated. They started to rush some DLC out. Some of it was good. Some of it was awful. Uh, try to make up it with some events that were really ho-hum. Um, and I think the game is kind of coming back around again. But it's never going to get that population back, and it's going to more or less just kind of, you know, be a it's game. Die in the vine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I think it sees spikes when it goes on like Xbox Game Pass or Games with Gold. Um, but for what could have been, uh, pirate pirates should be more of a genre. I'm going to tell you guys straight up: there should be about a million times more pirate games than there are. Uh, and this one ha- seemed to have a lot in its pedigree and its budget and everything else that just, oh man, did it not deliver for me? Um, Maybe it was a neat idea. Like, it's, yeah, like it's, I, yeah, it's it's definitely a neat idea, poorly executed, which I think <laughs> has been kind of rarest thing, unfortunately, for a while now, right? Yeah. I mean, like they're kind of getting into that. Well, this is what they do now. They've got a cool idea, but they can't really nail it like they used to have been. Um, a... Had they had like a good game since Perfect Dark? Yeah, even <laughs> Pinata, ukulele. <laughs> I mean, Come okay, on, that dude. was to be fair. That was uh, a different studio. Yeah, I know. It, lo- it just looks right like now. it just looks like a rare game. I, I, but I mean, yeah, it's... but Viva Piñata, Viva Piñata, definitely one of the best. Okay. Oh, so ukulele was garbage. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, um, yeah, I was joking. But, but Platonic, that's the name. Anyway, yeah. sorry, continue. Rare's gotta have like at least the knowledge of what they used to be, what people saw them as, and what they're are now right i mean like it's got to be out there like rare can't hit anymore <laughs> well you know so got it was it was a disappointment that's it's not a worse game it's a disappointing game yeah. um see that's my that's my concern though with rare and microsoft buying up all these studios is are they going to end up like rare well, the talent left rare long before microsoft bought them right i mean okay. viva pinata was what microsoft bought them for but if you look at who was still in the studios between who was there for perfect dark and who was there for viva pinata it's like a list of who who isn't who basically yeah, like but, but, but that's weird viva pinata was very good so yeah they, but it was, was it, yeah. who knows how far along it was but oh yeah I mean, it's it's one of those things where like I I can't I can't say that what Microsoft Microsoft didn't kill Rare. You know, that's kind of like what a lot of the narrative is around a lot of studios making crappy games. Oh, Activision killed Blizzard. Microsoft killed Rare. EA mm-hmm. killed uh, yeah. Westwood. I mean, a lot of those studios for various reasons were on the decline. You know, yeah, you well think before. a big company. M- buys that studio more for its ip than its talent exactly, at that exactly. Yeah. at that point you're buying the ip you're buying command and conquer you're not buying the team who's making it because half the team's already <laughs> gone so yeah. uh my second biggest point this point i think maybe people are, argue with me here i don't know was monster hunter world i let my friend talk me into this one with promise of me and him going on epic monster hunts together through these ah. exciting worlds and oh my god this game is fucking boring i mean i don't it's a yeah it's an acquired taste i like it <laughs> but yeah it's definitely not for everyone i like I, I lost track of like the fifth monster that we had to hunt it was like in the second area we one it's almost impossible just to play with your friends you have to go through oh, so yeah. many menus just to it's literally crap. find your friend and yeah, then by the time you're able oh. It, it was awful. Like we kept like joining yeah. the same session, but we couldn't see each other, and it was it, it was a nightmare. So like it's got really shitty net code. No, really no. awful. 
it's it, not about netcode. It's about like interface. You don't really know even how to do it exactly. It's oh, up. okay. It's That's up. even worse. Like yeah. you have to launch the games from this board, this like job board, right? Yeah. But like then it said like you have to go through all like I don't even know. I, I'm not even lying. There's probably seven menus after you, you choose. I, you to... also the best part <laughs> is you you can you can't play. You can't play a story mission in multiplayer unless yeah. it's your second time through that that mission. Right. How so like, weird is <laughs> that? that too, where like if you're in a party together, you have to start the quest, like break up the party, so everybody yeah. can see the story and then, and then rejoin the party together. Yes. And it's got all this weird it's shit with like, flares and stuff, right? Like I'm supposed to launch these flares so my friends can join me. But yeah. my friend are like, they see the flare like 20 minutes after I've launched it. So like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? Fire the flare and then literally sit there for, <laughs> yeah. for 20 minutes until my friends can join my, pro- my game it's, in progress? super messed up. They like Ugh. really dropped the ball there. And so this game is infatuated with you hitting the buttholes of animals. Like this is Monster <laughs> yeah. Hunter anger at buttholes. Anus like, edition. Somebody really hates butts in Japan when they're in this game. Like so, it's it's basically like Concho the video game. I I have to defend it a little bit here. That you know, first couple of monsters you usually attack them from behind. That's just... <laughs> no, you you don't attack them from behind. You spend thirty minutes, you know, left clicking on their butt until their tail chops off or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that's maybe that's it the... gets more. In my defense, you can't yeah, blame it... me for not giving this game up. Left clicking on butts sounds like a completely <laughs> different kind of game. No, you but yeah, it, defi- it definitely gets more complicated, com- uh, complex, more more complex later on and interesting, but the first, yeah, it's very methodical, slow game, and the first couple of hours will bore you to no end if you're not into that. Well, here's, yeah. here's another part of that, though, is they throw some really fucking cool-looking monsters in those yeah. areas that you can't hit and one-shot you, right? So it's like kind of talk about like what that feels like as a new player you're seeing all this cool shit but you can't go fight it you yeah know what you, i mean you like have to get go back to it later yeah on. you yeah. spend your time running from it and it's like cool maybe in 20 levels i'll come back and kill that t-rex but me playing enough games knows in 20 levels i'll probably be onto some you know fire spitting dragon i'm not gonna no, care about that t-rex, no but... no no you you go back to this t-rex in the first level and you kill it well Finally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot of backtracking, also. Yeah, I know Monster Hunter. It's a very JRPG thing. Yeah, like, there's this level eighty-seven monster just going around trashing shit. But this yeah. is like the just like, zone. I'm this avoid. Like... I'm going to avoid that. Yeah, until later. yeah. That's what they do. They they put really lethal monsters in the starting zone so that you can feel like a big bad boss later on coming in and killing it. But well, here's here's the other part yeah. of the the multiplayer nature of it, though. Right? Is like. I would get people join my games in progress and all they do is run around in circles and pick plants. You know, like they, <laughs> there's, there's no reason, there's no incentive for them to join my game and do what I was doing in a weird way, right? Like yeah. you can join anybody's game, do whatever the fuck you want. It's not like, like in Destiny, right? When you join a strike, that's all you can do. You can't, you know, get into the strike and decide, well, you know what? You guys have fun with that. I'm going to go over here and pick plants. Yeah, it's but a it, big instance world. It's you, you can kind of, Density. yeah. Destiny really needs a plant. Yeah. <laughs> but so like this game, you would get people who are like, hey, man, what's up? I saw you were on this quest. I've got to get I've got to go mine 54. And I saw you were on this one and I'm over leveled and I just need to knock it out. So I'm just going to join here and pick ore for you. Cool, man. And, you know, he's doing that while I'm trying to do the mission. And like, meanwhile, the game scales that's up. Your, difficulty. That, that's, that your friend said that? No, no, not my friend. Just some random. OK, guy. Jesus. Yeah. Thank God. So me and my friend are wailing sucks. away. 
just just ripping this guy's butthole. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. As you like, do. We should be doing. That's what the whole point of the game is. And then yep. a third guy joins. Like, oh hey guys, you're working on this quest. I'm gonna go over here and and mine in this little loop because this stuff response like what is it like every two or three minutes right yeah uh, i'm gonna tell you straight up like the the best thing you can do with this game is like gather like five people or four people that are way into like very slow deliberate like killing a big monsters deliberately and slowly and then tracking it and like it's it's very I, I, it's not for everyone. It's, yeah, and, and what yeah. I've told people about it is like, like people have like, ah, what a disappointment. You know, I bought it to play with a friend. Like I said, it's like even people who are like kind of kind of like you, like who are diehard fans, are like, yeah, it's very much an acquired taste. But like, yeah, and it, 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 imagine imagine this game, but even more cryptic and insane <laughs> and you have like the whole franchise up to this point this is the this is the beginner friendly version of this yeah. game it's insane what they yeah, are doing when, when I saw... doesn't this one also give you a cat companion yeah, yeah. oh yeah polycos polycos yeah sure yeah and, and yeah, so that's uh, that's the good part online that's what i'm there for literally everything i'm reading about this game is like i can't believe they dumbed this down for casuals i'm like are you yeah. fucking kidding <laughs> yeah. it was way more insane and yeah, yeah, you. It's it's so it's still inscrutable in so many ways, and it was even worse in the past. So even when you go yeah. back to like the, like the crafting, right? So this game's heart and soul is kind of crafting, right? You yes. kill the monster, get the bones and stuff. You go to town, and it's like, okay, well, why would I want to craft the feathery dragon set instead of the the bug oh, set? Because and, see, some of the <laughs> monsters are less. Okay, never mind. Yeah, and, but no. You know what? You don't have to explain the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Like, we're not going to get it the today. The game doesn't do it. The game doesn't explain. No, the game doesn't do it at all. You have to yeah. go down into like layers and layers of menus, and then sometimes you have to have the set completely crafted before you even find out what it does. Oh so yeah. You're, <laughs> you're like grinding for a set. A lot of trial and error. Yeah, I guess. and I get to the end of it, and it's like, oh, this set helps you kill the raptors, and I'm like, well, I'm. Oh, yeah. I've already killed the raptors. I already killed the raptors like 15 levels <laughs> but ago. The, the, good, the good part, oh yeah, definitely. Now, two things to say. One one thing is that the good part is that you can dis- disassemble any set and yeah. you get every material back. Every every piece of thing that you put into this set, you get back. That's good. The second part is that you really have to mine a certain type of animal, like really really kill like hundreds of them to get a really good set for killing that type of animal yes <laughs> so it's like insane in that way but imagine that people are playing thousands and thousands of hours of this right game. Yeah. yeah so you know it's oh yeah, i get it as I said, I, yeah yeah if you play one of like three video games a year and this is one of those three then I ha- like... hardcore fans are going to play this for years. I can tell you. Until well, I heard it was too casual. <laughs> they might be moving on to. Uh, I'm way too fucking casual yeah, for this shit. Yeah. So what's your what's your biggest oh, fallout? I don't. I, I, don't, I don't expect any argument there. But man, Fallout 76. Yeah, Fallout 76. I, I was hyped for it. I was idiot. I canceled my pre-order. I. I, I'm. I hope there are people out there having fun with it. And I hope it turns into a good game. Seriously, like I'm not just saying that to like be a nice guy like i hope that somewhere down the line but like what was promised and what was delivered more than just the bag i mean but man that game just missed on so many basics um you know and i i hear a lot of people talk about the engine and i mean like i i know people smarter than me have really gone and explained it's not the engine that's the problem it's what you're asking the engine to do you know like 
games run on hilariously old engines all the time. It's more about this game. It's a very well suited engine for for being what Fallout usually is and what Skyrim usually is. But if you're asking the engine to do all this crazy multiplayer shit that it was never designed for, you're basically setting it up for failure, you know? Um, So, like, I'm not one of these people who are like, I'm not buying the new Skyrim if it uses the old, or not Skyrim, but, you know, whatever, Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls uh, 6. Yeah, whatever that turns out to be, I'm not going to be one of the two like, I'm not buying it if it's not a new engine. I get that engines change rarely if if you've got a good one, you know? I mean, they keep updating the base code. Yeah, anyway. exactly. I think they have. You know more about software than me, but you know, like there's forks of like engines, right? So like, yes, it might be this. Oh, I don't know shit about <laughs> software. Um, but, but yeah, but like, anyway, yeah, you can fork an engine so that yes, it's technically the same engine, but look at all the different stuff we built into it that it can now handle that the earlier version couldn't. So I'm not, I'm not as upset as people. I'm not demanding a new engine or anything like that. I, I'm fine with it, but I think they need to show like. There's problems with the creation engine that have existed forever that they've never bothered to fix. And it all came out in Fallout 76 to be, like, game-ending bugs, right? Um, And, like, before, and it's been a common thing. Everybody said this before. You could rely on the modding community to fix it. Now you can't. This is all you guys. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of a shit Bethesda gives about fixing this game versus, yeah, forget about this. Here comes the real new Fallout, right? Um, oh no! So, they they don't they give zero shit. That's what this I think. Uh, yeah, I, that's honestly what I think. I think this was a, like a, like an experiment that people paid for, which is yeah. really crazy to do to, it to your like fans. Some, it seems like something another company would just do in house. Like, yeah. oh, let's just try this shit, and then oh, it didn't work. Never mind. But then you and they were just like, yeah, so, like so you pay. The question I have with Fallout 76 is they had Elder Scrolls Online. They should yep. have had at least some experience with this, even if Elder Scrolls Online isn't exactly, well, you know, that's... a bestseller. Well, I mean, people like Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls it's Online, though, is Zenimax, popular. not Bethesda. That's one I th- thing. I to thought Zenimax helped okay. with them Fallout 76. Kind of. No, but not like development. They're more of like the production side of things. So I don't know exactly who does Elder Scrolls, but you can tell that that game's its own. <laughs> it, it feels nothing like an Elder Scrolls game oh, past the stories and npcs and stuff but i i I think bethesda's thing is instead of like they they went with this advertising blitz right started hiring all these streamers to go play the game i mean i'm not going to speak for her but i don't know if admirax would be playing (laughs) on her stream you know unless somebody was paying her to play that game but I, i feel like that that's where a lot of their money went is in the advertising and it feels like you're trying to trick people at that point when you're advertising a game that's this fundamentally shitty you know, like, I don't know another way to put it. Like, I would rather this game be like just quietly shoved out the door than to have this full blown ad blitz, all these people talking it up and then seeing what came out just feels awful. You know, um, harsh, harsh. Yeah, yeah I, true. it's true. I mean, it's like like if you went to go like buy a new Honda Civic and your family's always bought Honda Civics and you like Honda Civics, and you can't wait for the new Honda Civic. And they t- t- start talking about this Honda Civic. It's this greatest Honda Civic we've ever had. You know, there's so much good stuff about it. We can't even tell you about it all. And then you go to buy it. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. This thing sucks. Like, I would have rather just bought it and found out it sucks than be lied to the whole way down the line. You know what I mean? This is getting really real for me because I bought a Honda yeah! Civic recently. <laughs> and, uh, like, my, my parents also own a Honda Civic, but it's an older model. And I bought a newer model. And it 
doesn't handle as well as the older <laughs> model. So, and the visibility is a lot so worse. So you basically like, understand. How did they fuck this yeah, up? You I, understand Kappa Spain. I fucking nailed so it with that analogy, buddy. Like, the, the 2015 Honda Civic is the Fallout 76 of Honda yeah, Civics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, you've, you've, you've liked every other one up until this one, and it's like, you know, not only did I not like this one, but you you prepared me to be blown away by it, and I'm, I'm pissed, you know? And I think that's where a lot of the anger about the shit like the bags comes from is more like it's just another you know check mark in the pile of shit that you knew going into it and and again it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning it's like you're angering your fan base the people who buy it year and out people who mod it for you and fix it and do all this other stuff it's ah man i don't know fallout 76 hurt guys goodwill is a finite resource and i think companies are are discovering that you know there's there's a trade-off you can you can alienate your your fans, but potentially get this bigger audience who will just pay out money for 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 garbage. Well, um, and you have to determine which which you're going to go for. In, in a know? way, like I, I so I was talking to my wife about like development studios and stuff, right? And like how you can learn to like what studios make. And to her, it was like a foreign concept because she's coming out from movie studios, right? And she's like. I have no fucking clue, <laughs> you know, past like Marvel, you know, or whatever else. Like, I don't know what studios make most movies. They don't have a style that I'm used to and they don't have a track record that I really care about. You know, like a lot of people who like the general public, I don't think cares about studios the way we, we talk about them, you know? So when you start, yeah, I mean, they, they might care about franchises, but they, they might not even know that they fall out and, and Skyrim but come from the same right. studio. When it comes to movies, people care about directors the way we care about studios because sure. like, yeah, but, at, yeah. but at some point, like, so look at like an M. Night Shyamalan or something like somebody who's burned through that goodwill, you know, and has to kind of like he sneaks movies out under his name yeah. now, you know, yeah. and I think I think he's kind of turned it around his past couple of releases, sure. though, apparently. But, yeah. but I mean, to the broader point, though, is like, you know, it was a joke five, six years ago. Oh, another one of these. I wonder what the twist is going to be. Like, I think that that studios can burn through their goodwill and almost become like the people who know about it are the people who are not going to buy it because of that studio. Um, you know, and that can be a really like dangerous we've, road. We've seen it happen to buy yeah. in recent yeah. years. It, it um, can be a really dangerous road to go down as a studio to blow off your fans and just hope that other people don't catch on because, you know, word of mouth goes a lot further than it ever has. So I, I, I'd, I'd be really curious to see when, especially on the, the age of social media. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, fall so. 76, fuck it. I'll get it eventually. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, I have no desire to. I mean, I'm not a huge Fallout fan. I like New Vegas well enough, but like anytime I see this sort of move to this persistent, always online environment, I just feel like, fuck it, I don't want to deal with other people, man. You know what's so weird about it, too, is people were so worried about the (laughs) PvP aspect of it, and that's like the biggest joke in the game. It's like you you basically can't PvP, (laughs) like it's almost impossible, you know, to like. Kill like why even make a fucking multiplayer game exactly exactly you know or why put pvp in it? why not just make it co-op and then you don't have to you can streamline a lot of the shit that you had to put in there because you don't have to worry about players shooting each other and then literally all you're doing is doing a drop in drop out co-op fallout i think you guys could handle that one a little bit better you know but i i'd be down for yeah. that like hey, i'd love to to wander the wasteland with a buddy yeah, hey man instead of come, come jump in and help me with these death claws for a couple hours cool that that makes a lot more sense than doing this persistent world shit. And then you kind of like have to like take your swords and like attack this death cloud's butthole for like a couple <laughs> of hours. It's very grueling work. 
I think you guys don't understand how much attacking of behind you do in, in this game. I want y'all to, I want you to experience it. You can figure it out exactly. It, what it's I do. a fair bit. It's a fair bit. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. It's a fair bit. You have to collect all those tails. It's no joke. <laughs> Even later in the game, you still attack a fair amount of buttholes. <laughs> all right, Murphy. I guess it's your turn. Those are my three. Oh, I, I have to name what I disliked. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to name one disappointment and one, like, one of the worst games I've ever played. Um, so they're both indie games, and I always feel bad being harsh on indie games because, you know, they're often labors of love. But a bad game is a bad game, and I'm also not one to mince words. So let me start with the disappointment. Um, it's this point-and-click kind of narrative adventure called A Case of Distrust. And I was drawn to it because it has this really amazing, gorgeous, kind of old-timey art style. It's very stark, does everything in silhouette. Yeah. Um, as soon as the pictures yeah, so, came up, I was like, yeah, this is a Murrow game. <laughs> I'm like, this looks, this looks amazing. I, I'm down for this. Um, and then I got to the actual gameplay, and it was very bare-bones, very hidden objecty. I'm not a huge fan of hidden, hidden object games. And the story was just not good um, in that it kind of, like, let me put it this way. Um, it seems like it's going to try to make a point about, about gender, like what it means to be a female detective in, I guess, the 1920s, wherever this game is taking place. Um, and then never really makes good on that and then kind of just uses that almost as window dressing and then tells this other story about betrayal and it never really makes those two ideas meet. And it just feels like they're throwing in, like, I hate to say this. It feels like they're throwing in progressivism for, for flavor. I've seen that and a couple of times I'm, now. And I, I think you're right. I, I don't know how else to describe. Like, I, I really want to be like careful about like, it's hard to talk about this and not sound like you're like oh, anti SJW or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, but it also shouldn't be window dressing. It should have something fundamentally to say about the game, right? Like, or what you're seeing. Uh, yeah, it feels like they don't really engaged with, engage with it. And I'd love to see a story that really engaged with the idea of being a female detective in the 1920s and having to deal with, with gendered assumptions and all that. And it just, it's such a half measure. It feels like they, they put it in because... I mean, they it, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be like the centerpiece of the story, right? It's good. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. It just feels like they they don't fully engage. Yeah, with I guess the my idea. thing is if you're going to put it in or do it, then uh, then deal with it. You know what I mean? Don't just have it be something that's there. I guess. Um, like basically, you reflex on it in two or three scenes, and then it just never it never really plays a role beyond that. And I feel that's why I, I feel really kind of disappointed with how that whole thing was handled also the story beyond that is just not very good yeah uh, so let me that, ask you this because of... i think we're kind of like on opposite ends right like i've mostly played major releases and stuff but it's because i kind of burned out on indie games around let, let's just say like the the braid era right wow that's and, that's early because, i mean that was the yeah. start of the indie yeah. game yeah, era. yeah but like <laughs> seems like you never really gave it a chance it, it felt like every indie game was like a must play around that time do you know what i mean and like i i, I think for me, it started to feel like, okay, well, you know, you're doing this, you're, you're trying to get this one aspect of gameplay or a story or something, but you're not building enough of an interesting game around it for me to stay 
interested in in a way so do you uh, like uh, do you think that big indie releases are kind of like naturally disposed or like predisposed to, to disappoint you that's what i feel like. i don't think so i i don't think so i think it's i think a lot of indie games are made without an understanding of what appeals to people in a game so like just and I'm going to get into this more with inner. But sorry, I'm not going to mention what it ah! is yet. With the next, with the next uh, game I talk about, um, I don't think pe- I don't think a case of distrust was made with an understanding of what people like about these independent narrative adventures. It's not just an aesthetic. It's not just you can't just both gameplay on haphazardly. Or throw in really unengaging gameplay if you've got a cool aesthetic and cool window dressing. Mm-hmm. People really get invested in story and characters. And if... I mean, the characters in a case of distrust are actually pretty good. But if you don't have an interesting plot for people to lash themselves onto, if the mystery solving isn't meaty and substantial, people aren't going to really buy into yeah. it. And that was the problem I had with the case of distrust, is that it didn't seem to be made with the understanding that gameplay and and the mystery solving aspect of this game were what really mattered mm. um and yeah the aesthetic is wonderful it's beautiful and you know the window dressing the setting they have interesting characters like all that is there but they just it just there was no investment in making a really nice story mm. um also sometimes like the gameplay would be really obtuse and you have to give like a really specific answer and you'd wonder why it's like it had the la noir problem of like oh why did Doubt work here, but truth not. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So it had that that very similar problem where sometimes something that should logically work doesn't work and it just gets super frustrating. Mm. Um, so that's that was kind of the problem I had with it. Otherwise, you know, if you like the aesthetic, it'll get you pretty far. So I wouldn't say don't go out and play it. It was just a disappointment to me. Right. Um, no, my biggest disappointment of the year, and one of the worst games I've ever played, uh, was a game called Inner Space. Mm. Mm. I haven't heard of it. And yeah, it's... I don't know how to describe this. Um, so uh, let me just say this. It's a... Uh, it's a game where you have to imagine a game where there's no sense of up or down, but you can't pilot your your character like a helicopter. You have to pilot them like a plane. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> <I'm> work. <out. laughs> you, you mean that like doesn't inverted, inverted right. flight controls or Yeah, it's flight controls. Huh. Why? <laughs> what? Such garbage. And on top of that, imagine that they layered a completely unnecessary narrative on top of all of this. Okay. Really? Yeah. I, I, so, A, this game controls like shit. Great. B, it's extremely obtuse, so you never know what you're supposed to be doing very mm. well. Um, so there's like this puzzle-solving element, but it's just hot garbage. And there's this really irritating story layered on top of it. Great. Sounds like a, like a banger. <laughs> yeah. So it's a garbage fire. Nice. Um, okay, so that was, I guess, our disappointment. Uh, okay, I have, one. have one. I have one. Uh oh. Okay, make it quick. Okay, the hush hush boy, the quiet man, the not so loud lad. 
Oh yeah, that, that, that game. Fucking, that fucking racist <laughs> pile of garbage. Oh man, it's racist it too. Is racist. Oh. It is extremely racist, and it's like very just badly written and badly played. And to hear the game, you have to play through once of the game once through. And it doesn't make any goddamn sense, even if it has sound in it. It's it's garbage fire. It it controls like garbage. It, the whole story is horrible. Did you I, did you did you hear uh, what I talked about it at PAX? I, I laughed at. PAX? at I, I don't know. I laughed at it as soon as I saw it on the E3 announcements. I so at PAX they had it set up and literally no one was playing it. And yeah. someone went over, like some journalist went over to play it to like write about it, and he realized it was the entire game. Like it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like a demo. It's just like they just put the full game in a PlayStation. They're like, here, <laughs> go play. Oh, so bad! The game is so bad. But that's is it. it like a it's, brawler? What kind yeah, of? What, what's the gameplay like? Yeah, it's a brawler. It's a FMV brawler. It's like a FMV game, but then it's a brawler for a while, and then it's an FMV game where you. Basically, it's FMV, and it's like, it's just so bad. It's played with so... Oh, my God. And the first time you're playing it through, it's like no sound, no sound at all. And it's so boring. Like, they tried to make, like, an experiment game, but it's just so bad. <coughs> I can't even express how bad it is and how much of a... Like, it, it had an E3 <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like... I can't believe it! This horrible game. So they're they're like <laughs> invested. Yeah, in it, but, but that's they it. Didn't that's all I wanted to say about it. It's just like horrible piece of garbage. And <laughs> oh my god! Also racist. Wait, why is it racist? Oh yeah, it's just about like these like these Puerto Ricans that are in a gang, and they're very badly stereotypically presented in like a horrible way and like they have these thick accents and like they're all gang members and you kind of like kill them all as a white dude okay i just kind of like yeah it's just so bad it's so bad oh so it's like uh it's like whatchamacallit watchdogs where where you're in killing just poor black people yes it's so okay, bad yeah. it's so bad oh okay not not good no it's not all right so to, to kind of close this out now, uh, let's talk about our biggest surprises of the year. Um, Mike, you had, you had a surprise you wanted to mention. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Yoku's Island Express. It's what we already covered over. So my whole surprise is that you took a pinball Metrovasia game and actually made it a game worth playing. Because the only thing in that genre I could possibly think of that existed before was Sonic Spinball, which, let's be honest... Sonic Spinball is not a good game. <laughs> I mean, are there any good Sonic games? Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, oh, I, no. I, I'm with Merv. I'm with Merv. Thank you for saying it. Great I man. haven't played enough. All right, we're going to get so much shit you for this. great boy. I believe I, in what you said. I was the original Sonic hater, just for the record. <laughs> I, think I, I think it's spreading. <laughs> I, I, I've heard Sonic Mania. I one and two when I was a kid, but I remember playing Sonic Spinball in, in the 90s and thinking, wow, this is a boring game. I so. liked Twinkies when I was a kid. <laughs> you had one post 20, you kind of realize real quick, you know? <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get hate mail. Uh, anyway. That, that's my only surprise for the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, science, what was your surprise? Uh, my surprise is w that they showed the quiet man during an E3 conference. <laughs> what the fuck? 
And except for that, I, I... Somebody believed in that game. <laughs> yeah, so, somebody. Somebody said, we gotta show it. We gotta show it. Like, there's no way we ain't showing this game. Now, you Have you played it? Have you played two minutes of this game, dude? Oh, my God. And the title, The Quiet Man, it's so bad. The whole thing is horrible. That's it. That's my surprise of 2018. <laughs> no... Really, though, the, my biggest surprise would be, I think, Mutant Year Zero. I think that game, the name of the game is Mutant Year yeah, Zero. Yeah, yeah. It's really surprisingly, like, I haven't played it, but it looks fantastic. It has very good reviews, and it's like an, I haven't expected it to be like an XCOM kind of, like, game. Yeah, it's like an XCOM mixed with um, uh, Good and Evil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It kind looks of like that. Very fucking cool. I haven't played it yet. It. I think it's free for Xbox Game Pass, so I have it. I mm. just haven't messed with it yet. Mm. Um, I'll, but... I'll buy it sooner or later. It's. It looks very cool. Yeah. Um, so that's. Yeah. That's yeah. I need. To, I need to check it out. It looks very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like a, a pleasant surprise. Definitely. Um, Kappa, did you have oh, any yeah. surprises you wanted to mention? I got some. Get ready. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I did, I'm bracing I myself. I did three for everything, so I'm going to stick with my theme. All right, number one, I thought this was going to be a shitty cash grab, and I was ready to tell my kid no, I was not going to buy it, and then I played it, and that is Starlink, uh, whatever it's called, Beyond Alice. Alice. Oh, my God. It's fucking Star Fox. It's so good. <laughs> it's like the Star Fox I've always wanted to play. You don't have to do the little buy ships and change them out thing first of all um that was kind of confusing i think for a lot of oh people. it's that game where you buy the little models it's that game that literally has Star Fox on yes, it in it you, buy, you Star buy it Fox for nintendo switch and, and, yes and i bought it for switch yeah. and i was watching my kid play it i was addicted to watching him play it and then i was like okay i'm gonna play this and i don't know where that whole day went but i, I had to like cut myself off because i was like unlocking stuff from him. i'm like i gotta stop but there's individual pilots, there's individual ships, there's individual weapons, there's worlds to explore. You get points for scanning dinosaurs and trees, and you've traveled the galaxy fighting things, and, you know, which weapons work best against which other enemies. It's, it is so cool, guys. I mean, it, it, if you've been fiending for, like, a Star Fox experience, it, the best thing I can tell you is, is this is exactly that. This is that Star Fox that you've probably been waiting for. Um, oh, I'm I'm super satisfied with the excellent Star Fox. The toy to life thing is so my kid has previously been into Lego dimensions. The toy to thing is, is a lot better done in this game. You can change mm. stuff off on the fly. You don't have to like do the thing in Lego dimensions where every time you register a new ship, you have to go or a new character. You have to go in, drop it off, rescan the little code or whatever in this game it's just on the fly you pop it out you pop it in boom you got the new weapon in game or the new pilot or whatever um interesting enough missions very kid friendly obviously you're not doing you know fate of the world type stuff but um very very fun to play it controls like a dream it does a lot of cool stuff with the switch as well um the controllers uh accept the ships and they pop in and pop out really easy there's not a lot to deal with it from like a parent perspective of having to deal with finagling at all the worst part is you know my kid losing 
you know, individual weapons. Like, oh my God, I need the flamethrower. Where is it? And, you know, I was trying to figure it out. But uh, it's Star Fox. Don't let me get you wrong. Uh, very, very, very fun game to play. So that was a surprise because I thought I, I, I was ready to tell him no. He's not going to get it, but uh, no, it's it's super fun. Um, the uh, second surprise is a game called Ancestors Legacy. We were talking a little bit earlier uh, when Mike was talking about uh, Thrones of Britannia. Um, this is a top-down real-time strategy game that's very that borrows heavily from Company of Heroes. I don't know if you guys have played Company of Heroes or know that style of rts no I, I know i know that style yeah it's it's a little bit less base management and resource management and more like managing your units and like knowing mm. when to like back away from a fight rather than just <laughs> slugging it out and taking the losses like you know like say starcraft would where if you have a good enough economy you can recover it's you know small units manage them well get them veteran status upgrade them let them go do all the work for you uh this game is a viking uh slavic and I want to say like Holy Roman Empire, Teutonic type era, uh, real time strategy game, which I've never really played. I don't think before. I don't. I can't think of many like straight up RTSs. Not not like uh, tactical strategic games like Total War games where you play. You know, you build a building and it makes huskarls or whatever. I, I have. I don't. Can't think of many games like that. Um, and it, it really pays attention to the counters. So st- you know. Cavalry is ca- countered by spearmen, countered by swordsmen, countered by archers and stuff like that. Um, it's a, it's a yeah. As far as the setting goes, like usually medieval Europe games, you think of France and England, right, right, right. Not not elsewhere in the continent. So this was a really fun like experience just to get into. First yeah. of all, and it it plays really well. It's got a lot going for it. It's a budget title. Don't expect you know big RTS you know genre defining things going on. But uh, it, it handles the the buildings really smartly. All the units kind of are similar across faction too. So uh, depending on what you like, you know a lot of them are just renamed. There's some bugginess. Uh, archers shoot way too far for my taste, and artillery tends to kill <laughs> your units more than the enemy. But I mean a lot of that is, can be managed by some smart gameplay. Um, you know, or, or positioning things correctly and stuff like that. But uh, that one kind of came out of nowhere, and um, RTSs are few and far between. Um, and I know, you're, you're a big RTS yeah, fan, yeah. right? Okay, last surprise. Get ready. Buckle in. Yeah. For- okay. Fortnite. I, I'm strapped in. Fortnite Save the World. I love Fortnite Save the World. Um, it's not the Battle Royale. I always have to preface this with I'm not talking about the Battle Royale. Uh, Save the World is the actual mode that Fortnite was supposed to be. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the paid for yes. part of Yeah, of you pay for this part, not the ultra popular <laughs> free part. Um, if you like just in general, like building games or like creative games like Minecraft, I guess – um, combine that with a shooter, and that's really what Fortnite Save the World is. Lots of complex trees and stuff, and it's got a lot of the same Fortnite love. I haven't kept up with it in the last three or four months, but you know it is a year-end review. Um, but I really encourage it if you're just interested to see what Fortnite was. Uh, check it out. I think it's like twenty bucks or so. So we're not talking, you know, super expensive to check it out, but. Um, it's a really addictive gameplay loop of different mission types. You know, you go into a mission, uh, you spend the first couple of minutes gathering resources, finding treasure, doing mission, stuff like that. Then you have to build your, your base up. So people contribute. Some people build traps, some people build walls, some people, you know, go around and set up stuff. So that the enemy will have to walk through these complex mazes, almost like a, a tower defense. And then, 
you know, the, the, the final mission starts and it's either running around killing stuff or running them through these mazes or hope, hope, hoping that your defenses hold as they attack, you know, this castle you've built. Um, it's, it's a really fun loop of gameplay that, you know, if you want to stick a couple hours into it, you might find your $20 worth of it. Um, so yeah, I really liked, uh, Fortnite save the world far more than I thought. And it was kind of my surprise game of the year because a lot of people don't even know that mode exists <laughs> weirdly. Um, like it's hard to call the biggest game of the year a surprise, I would guess, but I hear so. What's interesting to me is that Fortnite was originally intended as like an unreal engine Four showcase. Yeah. That was basically why it was built. Um, and now it's become this, this phenomenon even though it was more like a, it was almost like a like a proof of concept kind of thing. It was also like like I've heard the word Fortnite for a decade before it came out. It <laughs> yeah. was like the longest in. I thought it would never come out, so it's extra surprising that it's such a big hit. Yeah, and and here's the thing about about save the world mode, like explicitly though, that I would, I, I would encourage that what the game does is really cool. Like from a technology standpoint, um, like I, I guess. Like from the perspective, I can build stuff in the world and I can come back a bunch of days later. My little castle is still there in my base, you know, that I built up to defend against, you know, infinite waves of enemies. So some of that stuff is really neat that the game can handle that because most games don't do that, you know. Um, And you see that slowly working into Fortnite, the Battle Royale with the creative modes and stuff like that. And um, I know most people only play save the world mode to get good at <laughs> building for the, the uh, battle royale mode but I, I really would tell people i mean if you're just looking for a weird experience f- you can do a lot worse than fortnite for 20 bucks all right yeah that seems like something that i should try out at some point <laughs> even just like I, I should, like the power royale mode's free it's not much of an investment for me to to jump in so i should definitely try yeah. fortnite just because i keep hearing let that rage it. out <laughs> yeah I, I people really rage on fortnite oh, it seems yeah. so joyful and colorful i can't imagine well, raging here's the over, thing over fortnite. the people who rage are usually people who got money involved right they're streamers or they're playing in a tournament or stuff you know <clears throat> my kid can play fortnite for hours i bet he's never finished top 10 ever but him getting a kill is like he runs downstairs to tell me you know so there's people having a great time with it but the the vast majority of people playing it on stream or who's gonna you know i feel like i feel like streamers is such a small proportion of the player base though that like if you don't have any money on the line it's just like some some goofy thing you're playing to pass the time i, I don't know I, i'm not the kind of person who's gonna rage over well, and what fortnite game. does well is it's like a match ends and then 10 minutes later or not even 10 like you know a minute later you're into the next one it's not like PUBG where there's like an you know, god awful loading screens for twenty minutes to get you into the next game, or a lot of other battle royale games that are just really slow for some reason. Fortnite's like, oh, died. Here you go, next game. Um, I, I think that's a really smart way to to manage those types of games. I mean, are there other popular battle royale games? I, I know that PUBG. Uh, I guess Battlefield Five or, or Call of Duty Black Ops. One of those has a popular battle royale. Yeah, mode, I or... mean, I would say PUBG is definitely yeah, PUBG. Uh, up there. I mean, it, it's very still. I mean, obviously PUBG. Yeah. But like beyond PUBG and Fortnite. Uh, Call of Duty is there? Um, Battlefield Five is eventually going to have one, but I would also say there's also one that is by the guys who made. Holy crap! I can't remember the name of it. Um, is it Realm Royale? Realm Royale. Is that that's the one? it. Yeah, yeah. Realm Royale has up and downs. The thing about Battle Royale games, right, is you got these streamers who are stuck in purgatory on Twitch with 20 viewers, right? So there's people always hunting for the next Battle Royale game. 
uh, for a while it was Ring of Elysium. Then it was Darwin Project. And there's a lot of these like flash in the pan. Ring of Elysium. I haven't even fucking yeah, heard of exactly. that game. So there's a lot. I've heard of the Darwin Project. There's though. a lot of these flash in the pan type battle royales where they're what they're really trying to do is to get these people with 20 audiences, but you know, so many of them that they want to get into it and get good at it so they can differentiate themselves from Ninja who owns Twitch basically, you know? Um, so you've got a lot of these people chasing that next game and they're driving these audiences in these kind of weird circles. It reminds me a lot of, I don't know how much MMOs you guys are into, but right around the time that wow kind of started to be, be the, you know, the juggernaut it was, there was a million wow killers. It was nothing yeah. but wow killers were coming out. This game's going to be the death of wow. So you had this like group of people who were kind of like diaspora. That sounds bad to say. I shouldn't, I don't know if I should say that. Now. But, you know, basically like they're hopping from MMO to MMO trying to feed that first, you know, feeling of wow. Um, and I feel like you're seeing that now with the battle royale genre, the people who are good at Fortnite, but not good enough to get noticed, who are now just bouncing from battle royale to battle royale, trying to, be the new ninja right you're not going to be the ninja of fortnite that ship sailed buddy so but maybe you can't be the ninja of realm royale um and that's why you're getting all these damn battle royales that yeah yeah i don't i'm never gonna be into this so it just seems like it's just the a trend that's kept repeating itself like we saw a hero shooter trend we saw a moba trend not that not that long ago and like these Me Too games, the Me Too's not the yeah. word to use um, <laughs> We're just busy these, people uh, left and right. <laughs> the, these these copycat games don't um, don't like they almost never catch on. Well, here's on. the thing about battle royale games, though they don't have to catch on in America because a lot like what's going on in movies right now, they are huge in China. There's literally a genre of game. I think they call it like the game of eating chicken or something like that. Cause in PUBG it was when you win, it says winner, winner, chicken dinner. I think the actual, like somebody told me, told me this, and it's like basically like game of eating chickens is what it's called in China. And so battle royales there are huge because the culture there in a lot of Asian countries is you play this game in a PC bong or, you know, a, 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 a cafe, an internet cafe. You got all your friends there who are watching you in the top 10 and doing all this stuff. So it's, it's on fire there. So of course, like every everybody else, if you can court the Chinese market, you're going to. And battle royales are what's hot right there. So I don't think these are going anywhere. Um, it's it's so strange that you that things end up with, with this differing level of popularity kind of um, elsewhere in the world. But you know, we we think we we're so America centric when you think about the game industry mm-hmm. that we don't even stop to realize that there's this gigantic PC market in Asia. And Europe, that, that and, and it's just different enough, like the culture and the way they play and everything, that like it drives genres in totally different directions, which is a good thing, right? Because I mean, otherwise we'd just be on Call of Duty. Well, we still are, you know what I mean? But like, there wouldn't be anything else, anybody trying to do anything new out there. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of I, I'm interested to see where these battle royals go because eventually they're going to get bored of them. They're, they're by their nature, they're like there's not a system of a persistence right so eventually you're gonna be like okay cool i've won enough you know i but... i feel like europe has single-handedly kept counter-strike alive for <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's like that's Russia right I there. Definitely, man. They, that's their game. You, you hear a lot of accents if you log into the most, <laughs> most of Europe was is like way into Counter Strike still. Like we didn't, we never played. Uh, we never played Call of Duty really. Like we yeah, very little Call of it's Duty. It's all CS Go. Yeah, mostly CS. Mostly CS people play. People play. And uh, and yeah, when, and you know quakes and and all of that. But that's back in the day. But. Up till this day, I CS Counter Strike, yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting, it's like you're talking about. There's genres way outside of what we do and what we're into that we don't see. And yeah. I mean, it's the first time I think you've kind of got China being a big player in a genre that's pushing forward at oh, the yeah. same time as popular in the U.S. Um, yeah, you don't typically see that overlap. Like if you see overlap, you, you typically think about. Um, like say the Korean and, and American markets sometimes overlap on strategy games or on certain kinds of RPGs, the Japanese and, and American markets will overlap, but it's, it's the first time I've really seen this, um, like the Chinese market really driving trends in America, uh, which is interesting to me. So maybe, maybe we'll, maybe this trend will continue. Maybe it'll end. Uh, I mean, it's here for a while. There's too much money in it right now for it to go totally away, but yeah, it... uh, I can bet you by, this time in 2020, we will not talk about <laughs> all mobile right. games. Okay, we'll hold you to it, Merv. All right, write it down in the in the podcast notes. <laughs> yeah, Merv. Yeah. Uh, uh, pa- yeah, put put it in the games Death cast legend. Battle Royale, Merv. Parenthesis, <laughs> parenthesis Merv it eats his own hat. And <laughs> I mean, there's been Battle Royale style stuff, but this it, it really feels like it's its own world right now. And I don't know where else shooters go besides Battle Royales because people seem to really be into that style. I think it's gonna. I think it's another trend, just like MOBAs and Hero oh, shooters. Oh yeah, definitely. Eventually, they'll stop making them. Yeah, but you know, some trends like are are more have more long longevity than others. Yeah, when the when the trend becomes a genre, I think is when you you get that. I mean, Hero shooters are a genre, but when was the last time you heard anybody talk about playing Gigantic or Overwatch? I mean, Overwatch <laughs> is still a thing, yeah. right? But that's persistent. Yeah, like the the. Like, you know, the, the best games in the genre stay. Yeah. Like, say people are still playing Dota 2 and, and League of Legends. There are all these other failed MOBAs that oh, nobody oh, plays Oh, yeah, anymore. no, definitely. But yeah. I, I'm going to bet, like, Fortnite will be around in a year but I, or two years. But I don't think, like, and PUBG maybe, but I don't think any other. Like, Radical Heights is yeah. dead. I'm just looking maybe, at Wikipedia right maybe now. Maybe, like, Battlefield will come out with his own, like, Battle Royale. And the Battlefield will... is. I, I think what's going to happen is it's going to be less of its own genre in a couple of years, and it's going to be more of a game mode people expect. Yeah, right? yeah like, like Deathmatch. Those... Like, people it's, didn't yeah, exactly. have Deathmatch before. Uh, Doom. It'll just be folded into regular, like, Yeah, you release a Halo. I'm actually looking at this right now. Gigantic servers, servers shut down earlier this year. Huh. Yeah, it's down July 31st. Oh, and that so there you go. Over- That's what's happening to hero shooters. If you're not Overwatch, like Left 4 Dead you're not eat in the game. like the zombie mo- multiplayer mode in, in in some games, right? So that that's kind of like similar also. Which some which game created zombies? Uh, Left 4 Dead, like Left 4 okay, yeah, 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 like yeah. It created this like co-op four-person yeah. mode. Yep. yep. <laughs> like Call of Duty had like yeah, zombie modes. Yeah. Does Call of Duty still do zombies? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally all they do now. So there is no more single player in Call of Duty, at least as of the latest one. There's no more campaign. Yeah. So you have a zombies campaign and then multiplayer, and that's it. So which is kind of surprising because I 
might be the one person in the world who actually liked Call of Duty's campaigns. Um, it was very Michael Bay action movie, but they really knew how to do a cool set piece and like a memorable scene. And for all the no Russian shit, there was actually some really good storytelling in some of their games. And it, it made sense. I mean, they, they, there was probably 50 writers, you know, lots of recognizable Hollywood ones too on all those Call of Duty games. So it's not like they were happening in a vacuum, but it's surprising to me that that's the mode that they cut out was the campaign and not zombies. Um, obviously not multiplayer, but then they threw in a, a battle royale on top of it. See, the thing about the campaign is that it is actually a selling point for a lot of people, but the investment required to make the, the quality of campaigns that they that players expect is just astronomical. Yeah. So they're not getting that much return on it. Because also, it's not something that's very monetizable. So, like, it's something you buy once and then you can't put microtransactions in the campaign. Yeah. You finish it and so, that's it. Well, if you look at yeah. Fortnite being, like, the most money-making game of the year by far, it's a free game. That's, you know what I mean? If if you're a studio, that make that's making your head explode. You know what I mean? Like, so this game probably didn't cost a ton to make to be honest with you because fortnite was not supposed to be epic's tentpole it was supposed to be paladins i want to think it was called um yeah i think so but it wasn't like the look that up like it wasn't the back burner for so long like it probably did waste a lot of money before it came out um no it's not paladins that was made by high res yeah and uh, sorry, developed by Evil Mojo and published Fortnite by just was named Fortnite. Like it was a like a code name for a long while, and they would just kept it. I think. Oh, Paragon, Paragon. I'm sorry. So Paragon. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You're right. I can't right, even remember right. the name of it. So Paragon was supposed to be Epic's tentpole, right? Yeah. And Fortnite was this kind of kitty building, you know, versus zombies game that was being produced on the side. And then as a like kind of like a, oh let's check out this battle royale we'll drop this mode in the game and that's when it took off but they actually stopped development on paragon <laughs> to put move people over to yeah Fortnite. it was an early access yeah. and then and they, they, it yeah. shut down in april of this they year yeah. yeah so i mean so that was supposed to be a moba mm, more no. like an overwatch thing yep. i think yeah, it's a hero. it says the, the wikipedia says the genre says moba but yeah. it's third person no, it, it was more of a hero shooter yeah. um Okay, so for like battle MMO online, which is combines the yeah. hero shooter yes. and MOBA genres. Yes, it's very Battleborn-ish. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I can see why they gave yep. up on it then. But it's so weird um, to me that like, so I mean, this was their big game. If you look at all the like the the E3 stuff back in the day and all the stuff that they were advertising, it, Paragon, they were going all out for it, and to see that lose out to a kitty shooter, you know, because of a mode. I mean, it's 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 shocking when when you think about it. Epic knows what they're doing. They they they're not you know. This isn't their first thing. They didn't just strike lightning in a bottle. They they pushed Paragon out the door, um, you know. Well, yeah, this ain't their first. Drink, yeah, that's for sure. So it's it's interesting, um, but yeah, yeah. It's it seems like sometimes video like video game publishers are good at kind of steering into the skid and and figuring out trends. And other times, I think they they kind of miss the mark. Um, it's really hard to know where trends are going to yeah. go. Yeah, yep. so. it, it'll be interesting to see if in the next couple of years people look to more of those Asian countries we were talking about to find out where the trends are going and seeing if they're tastemakers or if they're still kind of, you know, into something that we were all into five or six years ago, which sometimes happens. Like we were talking about CSGO, you know, or uh, CSGO still has tons and tons and tons of people playing it and watching it oh, online. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's very much a European. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Ketchup. Yeah. So, I, any other surprises you folks wanted to mention? No. Uh, you didn't have any surprises, science. Hmm. Surprises? Nah. I did. I mentioned like the the quiet man being on the <laughs> cheek. That was a surprise. Oh yeah, you already mentioned yeah. the surprises. Yeah. I, I'm so bad at remembering what happened. <laughs> um, I I do have a couple of surprises I wanted to mention. Uh, the first is Delta Room. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't finished playing playing through it yet. I was really not expecting Toby Fox to release more material mm. so soon. Yeah. Um, and I know this is like, you know, it's a free demo, so it's not a full game. But I was not expecting, I was basically not expecting to hear from Toby Fox until like 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Man, I do love Undertale. Gonna, I don't know but if this I, is a negative I, or positive I, surprise. Hmm? I was not expecting him to make a game with the same kind of gameplay as Undertale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what, the, I mean, I, I was, again, I was, I was okay into Undertale. I wasn't super, super into it. But I, some of the reaction was kind of surprising. At first, I thought people were going to be like really excited because it kind of came out of nowhere. But I've heard kind of like it's been kind of a, I don't know. It feels like it's been kind of like a like a lukewarm reception, even from super fans. So I don't know if it's the game or if it's just not enough. I, or if they're waiting super, cautiously. People like it. It's just been the reception has been kind of yeah. muted because they don't know what to expect coming down the pipeline. Okay. It's going to be years before we get the rest but of it. But seriously, super fans for Undertale, oh, Jesus oh. Christ. I was, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Undertale, but I completely, horribly don't like the whole Undertale fan community. It's like there's a lot of like inst- insanely like uh, like entitled possessive people that what that kind of went on off the deep end and were like very obnoxious in any, many ways. Like yeah. many fandoms, it it has it's. It rough definitely feels like a fan base I wouldn't want to be like editing the Wikipedia page. Yeah, you know oh, what I mean. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I do love Undertale, really. But like, I really liked it. It was my game of the year, 2015. Oh. I think. I think it clocked in at number. 10 for me the year it came out but that year was a really good year for games yeah. um this year was a little different so if we can talk about sort of like a general surprise for a second um i mean i didn't play a lot of a lot of big titles this year because i just didn't have the time um sort of a negative surprise i i, I would say like most of the games i played this year that made my top 10 this year would not have made my top ten last. Yeah, mm. and I think I think um, with me ta- with me kind of being half in half out on Red Dead Redemption two, I'm I'm kind of on the same boat, you know. Um, so that, mm. that's interesting. I mean, I I, yeah, I, I think, really love. I think Yoku's and Chuchel would have made yeah. it, but beyond that, like yeah. I don't think any other I game mean, in my top ten. Would I have I, I really loved my top three, but I I think they would definitely be higher up the list than any other year. Also, yeah, like, when when weird. when mine is. Uh, when one of mine is, is a Destiny expansion, which I was bound to love anyway. Um, Odyssey, which just basically takes the origin and takes it further, <laughs> and then Red Dead is just it's it's spotty. There's no like, you know, how, like sometimes like someone could be like, I just watched a great movie, but I don't know if it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's what, how I feel about Red Dead yeah. Redemption. Like, I'm, like I'm playing this masterpiece. I, you know, you're in the presence yeah. of greatness, but you don't know if you can. <laughs> but, appreciate I, but I don't know if I would tell my friend to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, what I keep coming back to is, is last year, I ended up having to leave Persona 5 and Danganronpa V3 off my list. Yeah, last year I was which like... Which is ridiculous. Yeah, last year I had like my... Okay, so yeah, also like you, top 10, I had to th- throw some games out. But like top 3, I had a really tough 
time like getting those three in order like and the uh, the fourth game i was also like man this really deserves to be in the top three i can't really decide and this year was like yeah yeah i those three games yeah and that, yeah that was it's like much uh, i think when i was watching the game awards and uh god of war one I, I don't think i was shocked i was just like yeah i mean i guess you oh man like... god of war i it that would be my number 10 game of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think it would be on my list, but like, I yeah. wouldn't – like in previous <laughs> years, I would like – I would go hard <laughs> for like my game of the year, you know? But it, like if someone said, okay, Red Dead, that's ridiculous. It should be God of War. I'd probably like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, sure. yeah this year yeah, I like... went way into like more indie games because, yeah, the big games really didn't make that much of an impact well, for me. I, I – mean... I, I, I really like Soul Calibur Six. Also, I played it. Uh, I would say the other the other problem is a I, a I was a lot busier this year, so I didn't play a lot of the big mm. games. So I you know I fully intended to play Valkyria Chronicles Four, yeah. Spider Man. Um, like I bought Vampire, just never even fired it up. Yeah. So there are all these games that I intended to play that I just didn't have the time Man, for. Man, I haven't played a and second. And I feel like my top ten would look different. You know, I haven't played a second of Red Dead Redemption 2 for, 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 since the last time we talked. Like, I, I also have been super busy. But you know what's weird is I don't think it was a bad year in gaming. Like, I enjoyed what I played. Yeah. There, were, there, there was very few games that I played. I was like, oh, this is a turd. I'm going to turn this off. Mostly it was, it was just pretty good, you know? Um, yeah. But like, and then there was, was a... The Quiet Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just like a lot of known quantity games being good to very good a lot of games that kind of like had maybe a bad release still getting some work in or like you know what i mean like i, I don't know how to describe it i wasn't I, I wasn't disappointed with this year i wouldn't call it a bad year at all it just i don't know i i i, I played what i played and i enjoyed it but i don't think anything stood out for me as being just insanely good or you know super like obviously game of the year like a lot of other other game years have seemed to have yeah i think like i will say yoku stands head and shoulders kind of above the rest just for being just how innovative it is um but like there's no game other game i played this year i was just like oh this is a like a watershed moment for the media Mm -hmm. it's not like i had um like last year it's just like every game i was kind of was like Oh, this is big. This is a big yeah. deal. This proves something important. Um, but like, you know, Cube Two being good doesn't really prove anything about first-person puzzlers. It just proves that you can continue making good first-person puzzlers. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I think like, like for um, me, uh, Obra Din is really like a, so innovative that I'm like, yeah, it, I, it didn't go to my number one, but I uh, as much as it, it like I I think it innovates in so many ways that like. Yeah, it's more innovative than most games I've played in the last couple of years. So but there's definitely year, some bangers. Yeah, and and last year too, it felt like everything was like in a genre that was like currently like being reborn or feeling fresh or stuff. Like yeah. fucking Doki Doki Literature Club or Cuphead or you know what I mean? Like all these like weird games that were like, wait a minute, I thought I was playing. Oh, I fucking hate. I know Doki you did. Doki Let's not talk with Merv about Doki. Doki. <laughs> we don't have to I, get into that. I though. know Merv, your problems with Doki Doki, and I concur with you definitely. But... But, but what I'm saying is that was a visual novel, right? You know what I mean? But like, yeah, whoa, it, it like... was. It had interesting ideas. Let's yeah. Let's so that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like even in like known genres and stuff i felt a lot of games were doing crazy new stuff whereas i didn't feel like this year and that's why a lot of my stuff like odyssey and some of the other games while they're very good i don't want to 
put them out as being, um, you know, game of the year type games because yeah. they're kind of what they were. Yeah, last we year was gonna be. last year so, was the year Automata. You know what that, game? That was a crazy game. That, yeah, that was a crazy ass fucking game. Do you know what game did innovate this year and was a bit of a surprise? This is my last surprise. Um, it was a browser game made by Google of all of all companies. It's called Symantris. Mm. And the way it works is that um, what they did was they trained a machine learning algorithm on thousands upon thousands of conversations to create word associations. And you essentially try to solve word association puzzles either in, in kind of like a, a Tetris-like game or a timed uh, chain game where, where a tower keeps getting bigger and you have to eliminate words through associations. And then um, they take all, all so, your answers and give it to the Russians or <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what data they're going to give to the Russians. If I think that, you know, I think glasses and lenses are, are linked words and all that helps them. Yeah. I see. It seems, like it's democracy. A, it seems like it's a game though. That's designed to do something else. Right. Like yeah. that sounds really cool. I, I could yeah. see doing that for hours. Honestly, I was so addicted to it for a, a few weeks. I was just, fire it up anytime oh man um, you know what like, game on my lunch break i really wish i played was tetris effect oh man yeah oh, oh yeah geez. i heard good things about that i, I played it at pax and i it just was awesome i just wish i had a psvr just for this one game but i am not going to buy a psvr for this one game yeah what you need to do is make a friend who has a psvr <laughs> <laughs> And then steal his fucking PSVR. <laughs> and then punch them in their face and steal <laughs> the PSVR. Okay, wow. That, that's, I, thought, I thought you were just going to go attack their butts. <laughs> I was just going to ask them. Jesus. Cut off their butts. We need them to craft new PSVRs. How do you cut off a butt? Okay, don't, don't answer that question. You got to play Monster Hunter. Yeah, Come Monster Hunter teaches you exactly how to do that. And let me tell you, first you get behind the butt. For an hour. <laughs> Step one, you get behind the butt. Step two, do you have an hour? Because this how long it's going to take. I've seen some videos that started like that, and that's not where they ended up. <laughs> well, that's all I'm going to say. You didn't play enough video games this year, Merv. Yeah. I, I didn't. I'm looking at my list. I played, I finished 14 video that's games. That's pretty good. 14 new video games. So I finished some older video games. I finished Hellblade this year. Oh, there you um, go. Hmm. I did. I will never that. do that. It's not a yep. good game. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I only finished. I'm looking like compared to last year. I think I finished. Um, let me look this up. Just give me a second. I I finished last year. Um, 22 new wow. games. Wow. Oh. Wow, you're way behind yeah, your pace just for comparison's sake. Yeah. So I mean, look, Fair, so did, did you're you getting play, old, man. Did you play a lot of indie games by choice, or you didn't have time for AAA, or like? What? I just did not have time yeah. for AAA. Like, okay, let me put it this way: I started the new Digimon RPG back in January when it came out, and I'm still playing that game mm. now. Yeah. So I, I've just been super, super busy this yeah. year for, for personal reasons. Yeah. Um, so, like, the only AAA game that I finished this year, um, oh, oh, there are two that I finished this year. One was Mario Tennis Aces, I guess you'd call that a AAA game. Yeah. Um, I finished Single Player Campaign, and I finished Yakuza 6, and that's oh. it. Mm. Yeah. 
So, I mean, yeah, I guess if, if that's a big part of it, you know, if you're if you're being able to play in bite-sized chunks, maybe it makes more sense. But, yeah, man, it's right now it's like every game feels like it requires an investment, and that is why I'm so big into cheating in video games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Honestly, hey, you want me to grind for money? Nope. Here's the code. Give me money. You know, yeah. so that's been my shortcut. But I, I understand where you're coming from because every game now, you know, we talked a lot about games as service, I think, last year. And it seems like it's only becoming more when you're starting to talk about, I love how these games are doing these drips of content, but it's, they're not doing it to be nice or doing it to lock you into that game for as long as possible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, yeah, I don't like, have the time to play the Red Dead Redemption for like 80 hours. No way. Yeah. <laughs> See, I say I don't have the time, but then I'm looking at my, my switch profile and it says I've spent over 80 hours in Mario tennis aces. Ooh. Just, I, I don't even I haven't even played the multiplayer. It's still just single player. Be fucking around yeah, with what? it. Yeah. What? Yeah. So that just goes to show you. Uh, I mean, also to be fair, I spent most of the first few months of this year playing Xenoblade Chronicles Two, which came out last mm. year. So that took up a lot of time. As mm-hmm. well. um, so that that kind of explains why why I didn't finish that much this year. Um, but on the whole, I I think it's been an interesting year, and I'm. I'm I'm excited to see what 2019 holds because um, just looking ahead at what's uh, what's coming up, um, let, me, let me pull up my list. Uh, there's so many games. First of all, you got Anthem there's... right out the gate. I think that's February, right? Yeah. Crackdown 3, okay. I'm interested in. I, I wasn't because I thought it was going to be Vaporware. I'm, I'm getting more and more interested in it. Um, you've got that uh what's that zombie game for playstation oh yeah the uh, one that looks worse than worth every time <laughs> <laughs> days gone yeah Who, who's the fucking market i don't for days know gone? i don't know um i don't know how cool does rage 2 look though i didn't think anybody was going to be interested in rage 2 now that looks awesome i don't give a shit about uh, yeah i still am <laughs> kind of lukewarm on it what's the, uh you got uh cyberpunk uh, oh, yeah. That's uh, Cyberpunk is not coming out. That might not be coming out until 2020. Yeah. Let's yeah. be real. Um, that would actually be really cool if it came out in 2020 because the original franchise was yeah. Cyberpunk yeah. 2020. I, that's maybe what they're planning for, but I don't know. CD yeah. Projekt 2022, my, gu- my guess. A lot of interesting stuff, though, down the pipe in, in 2019. Um, be interested to see where some of them goes because it seems like finally I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of twos or threes in some of these games that they're coming around to next year. So. Hopefully that kind of keeps hey, up. January, I'm inter- interested in Resident Evil 2 remake. One of one oh, of my no. <laughs> games. Resident also 2. coming out in January, and it's supposed to have come out like three years ago. Y2K, a postmodern RPG. That's finally yeah, coming out. Yeah, the hipster RPG. Sure. Oh, Sekiro yeah, so. also comes out in 2019. Well, uh, Shenmue 3 too, right? You guys are still interested in that? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> gives a shit about fucking Shenmue. Apparently people enough to kickstart it. Why would you... I mean, I... I fucking I, Sony swindled all you motherfuckers, okay? I, Just like... I get kickstarting. They, they could have funded that fucking game, and they chose not to. It's hilarious to me that people Fuck were like, Sony. I gotta get out there and kickstart it, and they're like, wait, this is being produced by Sony. <laughs> what am I kickstarting? Like, you fucking pre-ordered a game that was three years yeah. out. Ah, that's hilarious if that even comes out but yeah that'll be that'll be interesting there's a lot of good stuff right out the gate and then it kind of gets quiet and then there's a lot of who knows when it's coming out past uh what probably like april so yeah 
Yeah, so I'm just looking at my huge list right now, and just to give some highlights, um, Biomutants mm-hmm. coming out next year. The basically the Redwall RPG. I'm, it looks like a yeah, it, RPG. It, it's got a lot of cool stuff to it too. I I, well, I liked what I played so, of that. Oh, nice. Um, what else is coming out next year? Possibly Ghost of Tsushima. Oh yeah, that looked yeah. pretty nice. Um, in the Valley of the Gods. That new Mortal Kombat. Earlier. Oh yeah. New Mortal Kombat. That's that's a thing. Um, the new Platinum game, Grand Blue Fantasy, probably coming out next year. Um, what else? In the Valley of the Gods, we talked or about. Or in the Will of the Wisps. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna. I'm. I loved Bl- Or in the Blind Forest, aside from some really frustrating sections. So I'm excited to see what they do with Will of the Wisps. Psychonauts Two is coming out, and I'm really stoked for that. Um, I probably and also. But- Sorry, go ahead. They're also rebooting the Settler series again, which oh, nice. I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. Oh, nice. Oh, I really like Settlers 2 and then nothing after yeah. that. <laughs> Most people are kind of like, why did it start to get all like really cartoony and like yeah. more about like the supply economics of it? So it'll be interesting to see if they if they go back down that gate rather than being all goofy with, yeah. uh, you know, controlling mining operations for whatever reason but yeah Uh, two more games i wanted to mention uh they're coming next year one is um judgment which is uh made by the yakuza team Mm. but now you're playing as a detective and now you can jump it's got wow so innovative yeah so yeah it looks no it looks really good it looks like the nice mix of la noir and yakuza and i've always maintained that la noir was a, a fundamentally good game marred by some poor design and story decisions. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what they do with this. Um, and also the most anticipated title of 2019, Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> yeah, that does look pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't go with Psychonauts 2. I thought that would be a Merv game, but I don't know. I, I mentioned oh, you did? it. Okay, good. But you did say yeah, it yeah. can't compare to fucking Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. Okay? Psychonauts 2 is like, it's... You can't see me, but imagine I'm putting my hand just above my head, and imagine I'm, I'm standing up now and I'm on my tippy toes and putting my hand way up there. That's how, that's my anticipation for yeah, Untitled I, I Goose Game. I pre-ordered Untitled Goose Game in you know, my you can uh, you can no, pre-order that no, shit. No, 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 you can't. If uh, what, the one I'm probably most excited for, but most worried about, is going to be Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three. I mean, I got a lot of fond memories of that game, and one and two, that is. It's a Switch-only game, though, so I'm kind of like, I don't know, a little nervous about it. That's a big title and only be on the Switch. But uh, it's Ninja Theory, so who knows? Maybe it'll come over to everywhere else, but interested in that one. Oh, if it's Ninja Theory, if it's Ninja Theory then they're doing it like they're bought by Microsoft now, so it's eventually yeah. going to come to Xbox. Let's the other one I'm, I'm curiously optimistic about is, back to my saying I love pirate games, is Skull and Bones. I've oh, yeah, heard... Skull and Bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to see where that one ends up because if it ends up being a ship MOBA, I'm I'm out. If it ends up being something a little bit more, I'm probably still in. I'm really hoping it has some kind of campaign or solo or co-op or something because I'm not gonna. I just want like a good pirate RPG because the Risen series is fucking. Hey, it's it's so, so easy to do. 
God. It's... Why has nobody done this? I don't this? know. I don't know. It... Like, what are people waiting for? Everybody fucking maybe, loves maybe pirates. Like, look, Sid Meier fucking nailed yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> nailed it. He fucking nailed it. He danced with the governor's the daughter. Who's playing fucking Sid Meier's pirates in 2018? <laughs> yeah. If he was were... like, let me show you how it's done. And nobody from, from that point onward was like, I okay, that's, top that's it. it. That's what do you it. expect us to do? He, you yeah. dance with the governor's daughter and you, you, you avenge your family. That's it. It's all it is to be a pirate. Yep. Yeah, now, the, the Risen Games... And, like, all these pirate franchises, like, you know, t- Monkey Island is never... There's never going to be another Monkey Island game because Disney fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, Monkey, but like three Monkey Island games, great games. Those, those three <laughs> games, fantastic. Pretty great. I mean, there's also Tales of Monkey Island. Yeah, it isn't... But that's more of a comedy. But I, I, fuck you, it's good. <laughs> I, I want to bring up. Not into them, but like the three first games, fantastic. I want an RPG though. I want I want to control who's on my ship. I want to you know, yeah, drink higher quality grog to fight Hell better. Yeah. Gives me a buff. I want oh all that stuff. You know what? I, you know what I want, and it's never going to happen. But I still want it. Dragon Age Four set off the coast of oh, Ravenna and Tiva. Yeah, and you're playing as a fucking pirate. Yeah, mm. Isabel, you can be one of her crew. Yeah, there. yeah. Ooh. I would, I would fucking pay a hundred twenty dollars for that shit. Yeah. Okay, so like, <laughs> maybe put maybe it out not there. The Bioware. Bioware makes because I don't, <laughs> I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I'm, I'm sending an email right now I, to the doctor. I don't doctors. trust current Bioware either. But like, your doctors, Marvel pay a hundred twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back, Ray Mizuka and other yeah. guy. The, doctor, the doctors are busy with their own stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're brewing beer. <laughs> They've got their own. Yeah. They, one of them's making beer yeah. now. Um, yeah, so I, the other thing they should make is Jade Empire 2, but it's not. <laughs> nah, that, that, that ain't going to happen. All right, so anything else you guys wanted to mention about video a games? Good year. We'll have to do a, a New Year's one, but I think that was a pretty good year for uh, for games, I think. 2019? Yeah. Great. I, I can feel it. I can feel it. I can already feel it. Yeah, I might actually have time to play video games yeah. next year. That'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, your job. we'll like see how that goes. Maybe, maybe you get some subscribers, right? Maybe yeah, we just have to like, really go into like advertising on this podcast. <laughs> like, I, I yeah, so thank you to Squarespace for, for, for sponsoring I've this been podcast. i this for years. Mat- uh, Casper Mattress, please. Send me a mattress. God damn it. Send me a mattress. <laughs> I don't have a mattress anymore. I'll, I'll I need a mattress. Some, I'll take some MeUndies. I'm not, I'm not picky. <laughs> I need a mattress. Whenever I need to send a letter, I go to stamps.com. Oh, there. Yeah. I, whenever I need to shave, I shave with the, the, only uh, time I go to, shave. the only time I go to the post anymore is to pick up my delicious blue apron. Oh, there <laughs> you get it delivered to a fucking post office box. <laughs> I'll be there. Don't they work. should do that. They should have, they should have PO boxes. They're like mini ovens. Yeah. So you like pull the food out, and it's like, here's a fucking roast. I'll, I'll prepare it that, for that, you. That's that's butcher box, I think. Also, <laughs> like uh, that one. Just, you just, just like forget to pick it up for a week. They just send you <laughs> meat. They just send you meat over mail. What the fuck? What what is that? What's that steak company that what's it called that sends the meat through uh, the mail? Oh, hot steaks. That's oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Also, yeah. I get There's those from my dad like every Christmas. <laughs> I know pretty well. Like, hey, old man. Hey, your dad loves steak, steak and steak. good steak. Yeah. Okay, the, the, the point is we need money. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> come on, hit us up. We can pay, quit our jobs and play video games all the time. Yes. 
I like my job. <laughs> now your job is playing video games. And yeah, Merv, like don't, don't ruin this for the rest of us. Come on, Merv. Fall in line. Fine. I'll quit my job that I like and play video games <laughs> all day long. There you go. Long. Fantastic. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Uh, all right. So if you folks would like to keep up to date with the podcast, we have a website, avocadogamescast.wordpress.com. We post each episode. We have a link dump. You can fact check all the nonsense we say. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for Avocado Gamescast. And also make sure you check out the community that spawned this podcast, The Avocado, at the-avocado.org. Don't actually type the word hyphen. That would be really stupid. And you're not a moral, are you? Jeez. Um, <laughs> oh, really fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I insulted the audience so much. I called them, I called them stupid. You're not for... dumb, are you? Yeah, you're not dumb. You, you're not the kind of person who kickstarted Shenmue Three, <laughs> are you? Kickstart Shenmue Three? Did you? If you did, forget about what I just if said. If you did, don't fucking listen to our podcast, Get the dumbass. Fuck out of here. God, no, sorry, we love you. Please hey, if to you're our a sponsor, dude, sponsor, especially if especially if you work for Blue exactly. Apron and you, you kickstart Shenmue Three, oh man, we would love to have your support. We love your product also. Jeez Louise, it's the best. Yeah, we're, we're going to have oh, to yeah, put a warning at the front of this. Like, if you back shed me three months, we're skip Nah, nah. Seriously, okay, that's, no. that's entirely my fault. <laughs> if you want to, if you want, if you love Shenmue 3, just you live your life. You know, yeah, chase well, I'm, I'm just going to imagine that most of those people can't figure out how to click play on a... On... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I thought we would get like letters yeah. before. <laughs> we are going to get letters now. Yeah, we'll get letters from people who aren't Randy yeah. Pitchford. They'll we'll actually get be mad. Letters with anthrax in them. <laughs> okay, that, that's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me let me just conclude with a with a message to our listeners, just to, to close out the year. Ah, just ease um, it in. You just just, just uh, chill out a little bit, Leah. Like ease in the yeah. anthrax? What? what? Are you, like ease the anthrax up into the butt? Is that what, what you're saying? What are you saying to me? What? No, I'm just saying we just gotta cool <laughs> cool it at the end. Like you know, just kind of like you know, just Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and like uh, all the best. Happy New Year, it. anthrax in the butt, no, all that geez, nonsense. Stop okay. about, um, about the anthrax <laughs> in the butt. We just. I don't know how you play Monster Hunter World. Maybe you put the anthrax in the butt. I feel like it was a pretty accurate description. If anybody disagrees with that, I. About the anthrax in the butt? What? Yeah, no, no, the Monster Hunter part. But yeah, it's like like a it's like a suppository, except for it's poison instead of medicine. Um, (laughs) You're the one who plays the butt game. I play the butt game. Don't turn this around on me. Scientific reasons. Yeah, scientific butts. I, I thought you thought I thought you, I thought science was bad. Science, what, it, science is great when it's about butts. It's butt science. I love okay. it. Proctology, the best science. science. Um, so let me just conclude with a message to our listeners. Um, we've been doing this for a while now. We've been doing this for for two and a half years, <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie and say we couldn't have done this without your support because. I could gather people to just talk about video games on Skype and record podcasts that no one listens to, um, but it wouldn't be fun. Don't you already right? do that, because kind of. <laughs> part of the, I mean, people actually do nah, listen to this nah, podcast. Like, you can see the download numbers. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, some of the episodes have over a hundred downloads, yeah. which is Jesus. weird. That's um, horrifying. So, 
knowing that we're making something you folks enjoy actually let me be really sappy for a second it's kind of like the best holiday gift i could receive just knowing that people are out there listening to this and enjoying this so i want to say sincerely thank you for listening to this podcast and happy holidays see y'all in 2019 yeah and yeah. in the bye <laughs> To the, part, the last message of 2019. <laughs> Bye. Wow. 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 Wow.